Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Okay, we're 50 days away, literally, from the NFL. And this pod, more NFL on it than we've had in any pod since, you know, the week after the Super Bowl. And great discussions about the top quarterbacks, the top coaches. And I have a rare, and it is rare in the offseason, rare NFL best bet. It's a prop. I gave it to you in the best bets of the pod. Now listen, when you got bets from Fezzik, only two-time two Super Contest champion, Brad, you got to get down if you're betting. Right? A lot of people don't even bet that listen to the show. But if you do, you got to have three outs. One out, you can't bet with zero. One is the worst. I mean, you're losing so many half-pointers, forget about it. And for those out there that have one out, you know. You feel the pain. So why haven't you gotten another out? Well, it's probably driven by not being sure where to try. And that's the thing about BetDSI. They've created a bonus match here, and it's with the promo code BELL101, B-E-L-O-101. It's 100% bonus. And that match is something... That, yeah, you got to play through it, and there's the number of times that you got to turn it over. But what it does, at minimum, it gives you a free roll to find a new out. Meaning, if it goes really well, hey, great, you've got another out. And that's going to be worth so much more, especially if you have less than three, than any bonus, any reasonable bonus you could ever expect. And if somehow you don't like BetDSI, then with the bonus, even after the turnover, you had the whole experience and you found out pretty much for free. That's the theoretical on it. Because obviously, if you're flipping coins and you're laying 110, you have a negative expectation. And that's the turnover is usually going to be about the bonus. But that's the thing. You get a free roll. I can tell you this. When I hire people, whenever I'm doing something potentially, if I'm thinking about buying a new camera... For the studio, new mic, they don't deliver it for free and say, hey, here it is. Try it out a couple months later if you want to buy it. But no, right? It costs money to find the right answer, either time or money. Here, if you end up liking it or if you don't, theoretically, and listen, if you're hitting over 50%, you're going to make money from the bonus. That's just the math of it. So now's the time, though. It's 50 days to the NFL, college starts even before that. So it's betdsi.com, the promo code BELL101, the bonus match 100%, yes, double, and it gives you a chance to have another out. Check it out. Here comes the pod. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And we've got a, yes, it's 50 days till the NFL season and college football even before that. Special podcast with the same old Wise Guy Roundtable. But you know... If it's the same old weather as Los Angeles, if it's 78 and clear, you're happy. Brad Powers, Steve Fezzik, 
I'm R.J. Bow, and we've got... Audience a little slow in the uptake there. We got NBA talk. Lakers signings. Fez on an extended vacation. And it was longer than he was granted permission for. We had a trial and we had a verdict. We'll talk about that. But because he was gone for so long, how did the Lakers do on their signings? What did he think? Again, it's his take on Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. And we haven't discussed Russ and CP3 here. We've got some fascinating sound. Speaking of the destination of Russ, Houston, D'Antoni, the coach, ooh, he seems set in his ways. I am not optimistic about that. Then, NFL, we got Zeke, we got Dak. Some would call them Zach. <laughs> that actually rhymed. It worked. Now, Cowboys, obviously a ton of talk. Always. Drama, almost always. <clears throat> but we're going to tie this into a couple of things. One, does Zeke have a point? Because I'm pretty much not a player guy, as in, oh, poor millionaire players. I think maybe the NFL running backs have a point, the elite ones. We're also going to talk about how good Dak is. Fez, you are going to be shocked at one player especially that Fez says Dak Prescott is better than. It's almost laughable. In fact, we were talking about the hitman who's moving out here in like a week or two, I guess early, I think August 1, he is a uh, form guy. He's a guru when it comes to the, the props in the NFL. And he emailed me privately. He said, he goes, you were too easy on Fez about Dak. This was yesterday's show on Fox He texted Sports. me, too, yeah. about it. Everyone's like, yeah. you know, anyone that knows is like, that's in, RJ's right again. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of, it's like the same old story. So, you know, we'll give you a chance to defend yourself. And then, well... You'll defend yourself against him in a couple weeks. You will be shocked, though, listeners, about that. Also, NFL.com came out with the list of the best coaches. Fezzik and Brad and myself disagree on one each. And then we got Fez's top 10 list. And I think you can guess, longtime listeners, what Brad did with that top 10. <laughs> I had a big disagreement. We'll talk about that. Also, Madden. Now, you might say, RJ, come on, you're talking Madden. It was like the main topic this week. Brad came in on something with Madden that I thought was a little wacky. Redemption, Brad was right. Then a little Baker Mayfield. Now, SEC this week was the uh, media week. Is that yep, how you call media it? Media days. Media days. Almost media week. Yeah, almost. <laughs> and we're going to do a deep breakdown with all the college knowledge, Brad. And then best bet from Fez. Best bet from Brad, best bet from Dave Esler, and a bonus best bet from me. Rare during the offseason. I've got one I like. Also, a, li a little WSOP talk. Let's do it. Showtime! Woo! Let's start NFL. It's king. Let's start with Zeke. You know, actually, let's start with Dak. We teased that one. All right, Fez. So the question is... Do the Cowboys pay 30-plus mil? There was talk that Dak might be the type to take a hometown discount. 
Doesn't seem like he is. Fez, where, let's start in how good is this quarterback? Dak Prescott, my number 12 rated quarterback, RJ. Number 12. Hmm. <laughs> All right, so let's just read 13, 14, 15, and 16. 13, Baker Mayfield. All right, whoa, slow, slow down. Baker Mayfield. Okay. So, I think we all agree if we could have on our team, whatever our favorite NFL team, either Dak or Mayfield, we would all want Mayfield, right? Meaning on our team. Forever, yes. Well, what else could it mean? Well, this coming year. But that would be exactly what your list is. Correct. <laughs> so, I think we all agree with our teams, not in some fantasy world. I'm a Steelers fan. Would I rather have Mayfield replace Big Ben when he retires, or would I rather Dak? I would be Mayfield. Fez? Yes, of course. Mayfield. Of course. It's obvious. Yeah. All right. So, what we're saying is Mayfield has more upside, Dak better now. Now, how's Dak's trend line? Been down. Down. Significantly down. Specifically, let me just go by QBR. His rookie year, third in the league. His second year, fourth in the league. Last year, 17th QBR ratings. And what was different about last year? Well, a lot went wrong. The O-line. I mean, but what I'm saying is wouldn't the broad answer be that Dak had more responsibility? That That it wasn't such a ground and pound? It wasn't. It was more modern, their offense. I mean, it was just more quarterback responsibility. Yes, and he lost his top three receivers. Oh, so there's a building excuse. Now, who was his top three receivers? Well, he lost Dez, Bryant. Oh, okay, so hold on. They, they didn't lose Dez. They said, we'd rather you not participate with the team. And, oh, by the way, the other 31 teams said the same. <laughs> That's true. So we probably don't want to say, like, oh, if only that guy that no other team wanted was on this team, Dak would have been great. I did go to the Saints before he got oh, hurt. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. And then how many? How long did he play? You're right. I forgot. Yeah, he didn't play at all. <laughs> was it even one whole game? No. No, he just went there and got hurt off, you know, to practice. You've got to wonder if he was hurt before. You do. <laughs> Shot it up, yeah. came out, and just <laughs> dropped on the first route. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Fez. All right, he lost Jason Witten, decided to go so into the So he retired. Yeah. He's back now. He's back. All is well. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was funny, all is well. Go ahead. And he lost the big name, <laughs> Terrence Williams. Who? Not a big name. Who? But they were his three top receivers. And his numbers. Wally Balls, it's my alias. <laughs> there was a big difference. <laughs> Once he got Amari Cooper. Wait, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Why do you defend positions that you have to be so... Like, why do you have positions that you are lost before they even I'm start? I'm not lost at all. He was, because when I say losses and you're losing, you think you're going to win this debate? He was the third and fourth, and, the, and then the fourth-rated quarterback in the league. You're making my point. He's, that, that, when I, that When they had the best offensive line in football, when they were running the ball more... It was he was a game manager, and, and Alex Smith had some good years too statistically. But you make him throw him third and twelve. That's what makes an NFL quarterback. There was more of that 
in 2018. True or false? True. And he did horribly. No, he did fine. Fine. So average is fine. Well, he did fine once he got Amari Cooper. The, oh. you know, he improved significantly the well, nine let's games. Let's get with something Cooper. straight. You add Amari Cooper. Whatever the deltas were, and I would say the deltas were near zero in almost all case. You think Winton retired with a lot left in the tank? Well, he's back two years from now. Yeah, so, and, and Joe Namath played for the Rams. <laughs> That's true. I mean, if you're getting kicked out of the Monday night booth and they want to pay you a bunch of mil, you're going to say no? Well, Listen, that's interesting. Is there any props on Winton's yards receiving? I'd, I'd like to see because what, what's your number, Fez? Put a number on it because this is going to be embarrassing if you put a low number. 420. Okay. 420. All right, I've got the rest of the show to decide if I want to bat that. Write that down. 420. Brad, do a little research, and we'll decide <laughs> if we want to bat that. Let's see, how, let's see how he did the last year. I mean, unless he missed a lot of games, if it's under 420, I'm bat. If it's under 500, I'm bat. It was 560. Oh. Hmm. So 420. So, like, a good receiver is, like, 15, 16, 1,700 yards, right? Oh, no, that's elite. Like that's yeah, that's, than, a really that, that's like receiver. the best receiver in the league. I mean, yeah, yeah. And and Winton had like a third of that. Well, he's a tight end. Well, it, the guy. That's what I'm saying. You you really, you literally are are like your first argument is now how many games were did the Cowboys have the how many games before the trade with the Raiders? They had seven. So you're saying literally for a majority of the season, his receivers were better. Yes. But the excuse is the problems with the receivers. Well, they still weren't good, but once they got whoa, Cooper. Whoa, 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 whoa. They were better than they were the year before. Meaning whatever, if we think about value above replacement, mm-hmm. as in, hey, went and retired, what kind of tight end can we get in the offseason if we don't spend a ton of money? That kind of thing. I would make the case that most of the re- – that Winton maybe had a little value. Well, that's interesting. What did the replacement tight end – or what did the tight ends catch in aggregate two years ago, and what did they catch last year with Winton and without Winton? Don't have those. Let's pull it up. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. All right. We got it. Brad, boy, Winton, drop off. Yeah. <laughs> no question about it. Starting with one of Winton's best seasons in 2012, where he had 1,039 receiving yards. Year after that, 851. All right, so down. 703. Down. Down. 713. Steady. Down. Se- oh, yeah. 673. Down. And then this final year before he retired. 560 down. Okay, now that's interesting. So we would actually skip. So let's go two years back from his last year. Okay. What was that number? And then let's go with that as the denominator. Seven. And his last year as the numerator. And then we can project the drop off, right? In theory, though yep. the, it gets steeper as you get older. Yep. I mean, watching Fez trying to put these numbers <laughs> together. He's squinting like I've never seen anyone squint. When's the last time you went to the eye doctor? Focus, RJ. <laughs> he dropped off 22% in those two years. All right, so if we take 22 off of the 560. 436. Hmm. That's 420. 
Well, listen, you yeah. knew he wasn't going to give you a good number. Yeah. I mean, you ask him to make, yeah. but in a way, you could make the case <laughs> that he would. I tried to goad him into a good number because it would seem embarrassing. He's going to like yeah. give four twenty or yeah. whatever when he's saying that's the reason yeah. Dak wasn't any good. But anyway, so Fez, last year's tight end production, this year's tight end production, last year, or let's yeah. say last year or two years before, two years before. 675. With Witten. With Witten. Witten was 560, so he was the Whatever. Bulk. 675. Yeah. Go ahead. 725 this past year. Okay. Now let me see. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Almost done. All right. So you're saying the reason <laughs> that Dak suffered was better tight end production. None of the tight ends this past year went over 300. What does that what does that mean? Well, he had four replacement guys but, that were Meaning, up. but they they didn't have a bunch of two tight end offenses where they were both catching, right? Right. So if you platoon, it's called a platoon in baseball, right? Sure. So if one year you've got one right fielder that does X and the next year a platoon does 1.2 X, did the team suffer? No. Okay, so I I don't understand your point. All right. I will Go ahead and not submit that uh, Jason Witten is a big part of Dak's uh, decline. Okay. So now we've got a receiver that didn't play another down in the NFL that couldn't be part of the decline. And then who was left? Terrence Williams. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you want to just give up? Well, I, let me ask a question. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got three years of data, and you got two years – where I understand, I get it. Great O line. I'm eating an M M&M and M right now. Great rush game, but he's still third and fourth in the league. I mean, those are really impressive stats. I, I listen. You're right, and it's the challenge. And we're going to be talking about this in the NBA with Dan Tony. Do you just trust the numbers, or do you trust your instincts? And let's go back. Would you agree if there's one thing? That would be the best stat on does this quarterback have a good chance to take you to a Super Bowl? It would be how confident are you if it's third and 12? That's the throws Paint Manning made. That's the throws. I mean, in the NFL today, even the below average quarterback, I mean, it was funny because you had Mayfield up high. Let's talk about the rookies for a second. It will make my point. So what was the next highest ranked last year rookie entering the second year? And Mahomes wouldn't be an example of that. Darnold. Okay. Where's he? 24th. Okay. Darnold doesn't make that throw. Absolutely not. They don't, Most even, of the let, time. They don't even let him. But Darnold had a, some 300-yard games. At home? Yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying is anyone who's starting in the NFL is pretty decent, right? It's all relative. Even the worst guy... You have who last? Rosen. And by the way, Rosen, a lot of serious scouts said was the most NFL ready. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about excuses. Worst O-line injury bug in the history of the NFL, perhaps? Arizona last year? Yes, and a head coach that wasn't ready to be a head coach. But somehow he's last. Yes. Every bad throw he made was on him. <laughs> right? It was a team effort in Arizona last year. Yeah, so I'm not sure about I think Rose, let's just say this. I would have liked the Steelers to get Rosen as a backup who could be groomed. So, I, I, if you think that the most recent 
stats aren't as more meaningful, then you're right. You add, you blend his stats. You, 12 might not be. First of all, we got to question QBR because a little later you're going to be questioning QBR. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect index. There is none. I don't, no one seems to like any of the quarterback numbers. You know, I haven't gotten into the football outsiders yet. I'll be interested to see what their numbers say. Now, didn't you say Brad Pro Football Focus came out? Uh, offensive line ratings. I haven't oh, seen okay. quarterback ratings yet. Okay. So I blend the three years unless I thought last year was indicative of what the future is going to be. Now, we have to agree last year was more challenging for Dak. Yes. And he didn't deliver. So we'd have to wait that more, right? Absolutely. All right. And let's be candid. Who was 16? Oh, okay. So let's go through Because I'm thinking, I don't think I'd have Dak worse than 15 or 16. We're, we're talking. I can agree with that, yeah. We're talking three or four. But to me, it's the next name that is like the eyesore. Go ahead. So number 14? Four, uh, well, let's see. Yes, because we had 13. Deshaun Watson? Deshaun. Why are you like swallowing? I have trouble saying his name. Deshaun? Deshaun Watson. Yeah, just Deshaun. Say Deshaun. Deshaun. There we go. Deshaun we go. Watson. But on the radio, Faz was saying, uh, number 14 Watson. And it's like, <laughs> he's, ho- he's hoping someone's yeah. thinking, like, did Tampa Bay sign someone I wasn't <laughs> sure about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Deshaun Watson? What's his numbers? I mean, you've got what? the uh, What was his QBR last QBR year? was 13th. Okay. 26 touchdowns, 19 interceptions. Yeah. But had one of the worst offensive lines oh, in front of him in all of you, NFL, and he wasn't healthy. Now, this all ends because Brad just quoted the hitman, and they, right or wrong? What's that? The, that's what the hitman sent me was saying, well, the other thing about Watson is one of the worst O-lines. Oh, no. I he didn't send that him. to you? No, he didn't. Okay. Because yeah. you said he texted you. He it, just texted me. He said, oh, okay. I think he got sacked 62 yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. So literally, you're saying he's got an above average QBR with the worst or one of the worst offensive lines in football, right? Yes. And Dallas, even though the offensive line got worse, what was the pro football focus for this upcoming year? Two. Two? Yeah, Philly was one, Dallas was two. So it's like, mm, it is rough. these guys stay healthy. Well, yeah, it's like, it, how could you do ratings assuming people right. get hurt? <laughs> and if the world doesn't end, <laughs> like, what's he saying? Because Dallas' uh, offensive line had some injuries. That might have yeah, been. So where would you rank Dallas's O-line last year with the injuries? It'd still be borderline top ten. Yeah, they'd be top 10. So you regret the Watson now, right? Of course, but it's my list. My list is out there. So. Well, you can listen. New information, man. Yeah, jeez, man. Didn't Colin teach you that? And, uh, it's a peer review. <laughs> Do you want to make it like, I mean, we, you know, we can make it official. Hold on, hold on. This, this will be, this will give Fez, he'll have to use less hair dye if he does this. Steve Fezzik has a new list of quarterbacks. All right. Number 11 <laughs> is still Jimmy G, and I'm not bringing Deshaun Watson above Jimmy G because I love I love Jimmy G. I love him. <laughs> I will move Deshaun Watson up to number 12. 
Number 13 is Baker Mayfield. And upon further consideration, wisdom of crowd style, Dak is now number 14. Thanks for enlightening me on this particular subject, RJ. All right. (laughs) All right. Now that's how you learn. Yep. Now you disagree with where Mayfield is. Yeah, 13 seems a little high for me. Uh, Baker, against really beat up poor competition last year against winning teams. This is some of Baker's stats. First off, win-loss against winning teams last year, 1-5. Less than 60% completion percentage. 10 touchdowns for Baker, 11 interceptions against winning teams. Really feasted upon some poor, a poor schedule for the Browns this year. That schedule isn't going to be as fortunate for Baker this year. The Browns playing a much tougher schedule. Plus, a guy that talks sample size. Yeah. How many games did he start? I think 14. He played 14. I don't know how many started. Well, let's assume it's 14 or so. So that's less than one season. Yep. Pretty high up there. He should be show the most improvement in year two. You know what? I'm willing to bet that he has a QBR in the top 12. Brad, well, you willing to bet that? Well, hold on a sec. Go ahead. Yeah, well, what I was going to say, it's showing the most improvement, but yet your DAC that you originally had was a guy that's declining. So I don't get no, it. No, but I think in yeah. general, one to, yeah. rookie year to second year. But that actually is an indictment of him being where he is now. So where does he go? I mean, if he shows, let's say, normal improvement for a blue chipper, he goes, what, up five, six sl- slots? So then he's, what, ahead of Brady? Well, you can't keep going up five slots when you're already in well, the Well, I'm just 15. saying one time. Where does he go? Well, I projected that improvement in my to number. where? Uh, but what oh, I'm saying that is, number is saying that? My number is saying he's going to be a lot better this year than, than last oh, year. Oh, really? Your number's yeah. for week one? Well, for the year. No, well, that's, then that's ass nine. Mm. What, what, you're too lazy to update your list? You just changed it? Because I talked about it for 10 minutes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you're not going to mm. change it throughout the season? I'll update it. So then it's not for the year. It's week one. All right. So I, so I have him too high for week one. Agreed. Mm. Agreed. One thing I will give you. What are we putting this in tablets of stone? Well, yeah. if I'm these do, fifteen, <laughs> I mean ten. If I'm going to do all this, like Brady's going to be lower in September, then well, that might not actually be true. I take that back. Well, yeah, I think what you do is just like your power ratings, right? Yeah. Or your power ratings attempting to rate the whole year because that is a great point. Whereas, how old is a team overall, or how old are the key players? You would expect that team to get worse as the year goes on. We've seen brittle. You've said that many times over the years. This team's a little brittle. You know, I think some of their key players are injury prone. I'd be much less inclined to bet against them in week one than I would in week 12. Let's say a look ahead line. We've got to define what we're talking about here. So this is what we'll do. Why don't you go home, sharpen the pencil, redo your list. Week one. Week one. Quarterback. But no, remember, it doesn't matter who they play. I understand. Uh, it's just yep. how good, are, like, if they just... How good are they September 10th? Exactly. And I think each week you can talk about up arrow, down arrow. I like it. Yeah. All right. But, Brad, even though I'm almost undefeated against Vez... Almost. Man, I can't think. <laughs> when have you beaten them? I have a really good memory. I, I won a couple times, but what happened is that I think both times RJ said, you know, you had a really good point there. And so, basically, it never really got to a debate. I, I full think you've had formal like, debate. RJ recognizes when he will be in trouble with the debate, and it isn't a formal debate. Is that fair? I think it's very fair. Now, usually I would 
get a thrill from even winning that, like Andre the Giant style. But <laughs> since you need some victories, I've, I've just conceded those. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happened. アンダーザジャイアントハンディキャップマッチマイソンスケアガーデンシリーズ以来のことこりますかねあの私方ですヘッドバット押して good <laughs> next topic let's talk about Zeke I, you know, it's funny, Daryl and I, we've never really had, uh, a, I don't want to say player advocate, just a guy whose default was usually with the players. And my default is usually honor your contract. Now, Daryl could say, well, my default is be fair to the people who's making you the money. So there's obviously different angles. What I'm trying to do is say it's too easy to default to that and not think it through every time when are the times the players got a point from my perspective and these nfl running backs are the time well obviously college for any college athlete in a revenue producing sport or profit producing sport but that's egregious times 10 but think about it zeke is probably at age 28 will be the best running back of the prior seven years. I mean, like, I'll take that, just yardage, whatever we want to use. Who would you, like, who would you even bat me with? I mean, I guess it'd be hard with Barkley because he wouldn't have the year. It'd have to be someone that was contemporaneous. Joe Mixon coming up? I don't know. No. Yeah, so. If you count on rushing and receiving, maybe Kamara, maybe, but I'd still take Zeke. So it's, you know, it's hard to even find who it would take. And if the Cowboys wanted, they could have him for five years with the fifth year being a team option. And then, and the Steelers had a transition tag, a franchise, but let's just say they tag him one year. So now that's the sixth year. Now he's entered. So let's think of his age. He's 24 this season. Going to turn 24. Yep. Okay. And then 25, would be during his fifth-year option. Yep. Oh, so that can't be, right? Well, let me see. He was 21 his first year, right? Yep. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. So he would be 26 on the, the tag year, in theory, and 27 when contract time came. It's, now it's time to pay me, baby. Well, 27 is right on the brink of, okay, we're done with you. Or you want to be a third-string veteran backup. It's even hard to do that because they got to play special teams. Yep. Now, you don't see old running backs. They usually go from starting to they're out of the league. Right. And I was shocked when we saw this number. The Cowboys have proven in recent years they're willing to let a running back go. Yeah, after DeMarco Murray led the NFL in rushing with more than 1,800 yards. They dumped him. He was 26, got rid of him. After he led the NFL in rushing. And he was only 26. Yep. Which is, and Zeke would be 27. No, Zeke would be 26. He's going to turn 24 24 this year. Mm -hmm. 25 that team option year. Exactly. 26 would be that first year of the contract. Well, no, 26 would be the the tag year. Meaning if the Cowboys wanted one more year of him, Mm -hmm. like the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell. So really, 
it'd be 27. And that's what Bell was rebelling against, right? Because yeah. the, they tagged him twice. They, there's a way with a transition yeah. or whatever. Are you up on that, Daryl, the different tags? No, I can't one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, so quote but but either way, the, it was something no one thought the Steelers could do. But they they I remember just one person saying, "Oh, they could transition him," which was like an outdated thing. But since Le'Veon was so like, it's one thing if you're paying the seventh best guy, you know, top five money or whatever. But when someone's clearly the best guy, and I would say when Le'Veon's healthy and motivated, he probably I'd take him over again if it was just a computer game. And there wasn't the intangible, but I guess both the intangibles, neither are great. But Le'Veon was right at the top Mm -hmm. and still is, I think. And the Steelers were willing to pay even more than you might think for that extra year. Because think about it. What's the shortest contract that would be a payday contract? Three years, right? Mm -hmm. So he'd be 27, 28, 29. Who in the heck is going to pay Zeke big money at 29? Nobody. Nobody. So is it fair the best running back of his era wouldn't make generational wealth? And I get it. It's easy to say he's making millions. But everyone, the pie's getting split up. That size of that pie is absolute. The question is, how much is Z getting? And I think at the end of his career, he would, in that scenario, would not have gotten his fair share. Does anyone... I don't disagree. Strongly agree. I think maybe we need a running backs union because let's face it, <laughs> in the NFL, who gets screwed? Well, the, the rookies, the guys coming in on the first contract. And, of course, the running back rookies are the guys that really get it because by the time they're 27, they're already dinosaurs, basically. Yeah. To me, I don't even – I know the tag's always been something they're saying, this is what the union has to fight for next time. I kind of like the tag if it were maybe – Again, I'm just talking off the cuff, and we won't do too much of this. What about you can't use it as the next thing after the rookie deal, but you can use it in another spot? So meaning mm-hmm. if you signed a, uh, you know, a, um, you know, a Tom Brady, right, uh, whomever, and he got his payday, and then you got one guy you're saying – because really what's the whole point of the tag is saying we don't want too much player movement effectively. Like if we pay you as much as anyone's getting paid – how can you complain is the pitch from the owners. Now, the problem is if it's a one-year deal instead of a – and maybe the tag should be a two-year deal. But now you're actually making it more negative for the play. So it's weird. Maybe the tag should be three in its top five. I don't know. But it just feels like with the running backs – because even wide receivers, you know, look at – or quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins got tagged and tagged. He yeah. made crazy money for those individual years, and he got the big contract. Yep. But the running back's not going to. Exactly. What else do we want to talk about with Zeke? I guess the question is, all right, here it is. Because I've let you ponder this, Faz. Colin's been talking about trading Zeke. And I'm personally thinking that Dak, they shouldn't pay him the 30-plus mil. Because we did all the debate about where he sits but here's what we know about the NFL is the way you win Super Bowls, and let's give the guys at the ringer, the NFL guys, credit. They were the first ones to really put this forward that I read or listened to. Either on a first deal, a cheap quarterback, or a Hall of Famer. 
And if you go back, Nick Foles being the exception, like how do you even put like, – in a way, he was a cheap quarterback because he was a backup, and they had a guy on a rookie deal. So if you summed what the Eagles paid at quarterback, it was fair. It was less than Andy Dalton was making, right? Yes. And Andy Dalton's like the poster child for what you don't want to do is take an average – where's Andy Dalton on your list? 25. Oh, that seems low. Okay, this is interesting. Who's 24, 23, 22? Real quick. 24, Darnold. 23, Mariota. 22, Carr. Well, I agree with Carr because, I mean, at some point you got to take those. Unless that injury, you know, no one really seems to know how much it's the injuries. Huh. I tell you this, for next year, that's interesting. Sam Darnold versus Dalton. How's the, what's the Bengals over under right now? Six. And what's the Jets? 7.25. Okay. So you give me plus 120? I mean, you got the better team. Give me plus 120, and I'll take, I'll take, you take Darnold, and I'll take the uh, beige water pistol. <laughs> and we're betting QBR? Yeah. Well, let's think about this. Yeah, that's not, that sounds good. Let me think about this. Oh, my God. I mean, plus one twenty. He's not ripping you off. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. I'll All take right, it. good. Now, now Brad will push the button too. <laughs> yeah, Brad does. You like it? Yeah, I do. That's dirty. That, yeah. What do you? That's the way we play, baby. Three hundred. Remember, this is NFL. All right. Are you? A, you know, we're going to get a lot of tweets on this. Are you allowed betting with me at this point, Fez? Yeah, I've had a good run lately. After a disastrous start. Disastrous. Oh, I, I wouldn't overdo it. I wouldn't overdo His it. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. All right. Tell me what you think. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, the only word. I mean, man, you do Dalton. have Le- Le'Veon Bell. That, that'll help him with the play action. I'm not even sure. Man. Robbie Anderson. Oh, uh, enough. Game. En- enough. Right. Robbie Anderson. All right. Let's go on to. All right. Oh, so here's the question. If we agree that that, I mean, we ha- we really haven't had a situation where, and now Eli's the question, right? Is Eli a Hall of Fame quarterback? Some say he is. Obviously, lately, he hasn't been even up average. But Terry Brad, I mean, like, do you blame a quarterback for holding on too long? You know, if he, if he would have retired at 35 or whatever, would it, Eli be more clearly a Hall of Famer? But what we know is in those playoff runs, he was a Hall yes. of Fame mm-hmm. level guy. And I don't think we've seen any other situation where a guy for multiple runs, especially, played so much above. I mean, think about it. Usually you play worse in the Super Bowl because the pressure's on. You're against a good team. And Eli was just on another. He played better than. He's playing against Belichick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. But other than that, and we're moving on 10 years, right, since the last – when was the last Giants? I want to say 11. Okay, 2011. so – yeah, and then the first one was 08. Right? Okay. Yep. So, to me, we all agree that you don't want a, a quarterback somewhere between 12 and 14 taking up 35 mil of your salary cap. Yes. So, here's the question. No doubt the next year – if Dak left, the Cowboys would likely be worse. But if you were looking to win a Super Bowl, which is the ultimate goal, obviously Jerry Jones wants that. That's what he wants the most. 
If you had a cow, if you were aligned with Jerry Jones with a ticket that you got ten thousand bucks if the Cowboys win a Super Bowl in the next seven years, yes, no. As soon as they win, you get your money. Would you want Dak signed for the contract they're talking about? No. Wow, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you are too. Nine, six, and one, year after year, not going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> he, he's going to have a tie every year. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good record. Nine, six, and one. All right, so what I would say is Jerry Jones and his mortality is the question, right? So how old is Jerry now? 74, I want to say. Oh, he's older than 74. Over. Hold on. (laughs) So, and and that's the thing. 76. All right. Would he be willing? I would have won over 76, so. Is he going to be willing to take if he knew he was going to, you know, if he knew he was going to live seven years and be, you know, again, obviously people diminish sometimes with age is I think it will be tougher for the Cowboys to take a step backwards because of Jerry Jones age life expectancy of a 76 year old male approximately 10 years. Okay, Fez, the former actuary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but here, you know, Jerry Jones is figuring. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. And if so, <laughs> there's going to be some <laughs> signings and probably some overpays and probably bad news for the Cowboy fans. Transitioning, I'm R.J. Bell. This is the dream preview. Get ready for the NFL. Coaches. NFL Network came out. We're going to do two things with this. One, what do we disagree with the most from the NFL Network? And then two, what do we disagree on Fez's top 10? And again, Brad, longtime listeners can predict what Brad's going to do. Okay, Fez, we're going to let you start. Read your top 10 to us. You want 10 first or one first? Well, let me think about it. Casey Kasem was pretty successful, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. 10, 9, 8, 7. Go ahead. All right, number 10, we'll go with Frank Reich. Yep. Um... Only one year of data. It's a hell of a case he's making. <laughs> that was good. Well, got nothing to say about Well, that. yep. What's well, always difficult evaluating a coach based upon one but year But somehow of data. he slips in your top 10. Who would have been 11? Who was fighting with Wright? Oh, goodness. All right, no worries. Because you're going to finish your whole list. Yep. Num- just, you've been on a long vacation. Number nine, Matt Nagy, Bears. Similar one year of data, like what I see so far, like the scheming he does before the game start. Because you can assess that, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's no secret. I mean, the, you know more football. It's than, no secret the Bears do really good on their first series. No, that's true. I, the All results right? are there. But right. Now we're back to sample size. Yes. <laughs> Number eight, uh, your friend, Mr. Harbaugh, RJ. I know you want him in your top ten. Number seven, boy genius, McVeigh. Number six, Eagles, Peterson. Love his analytics. Number five. So wait, he's doing the analytics? Oh, he's Mr. Analytics. It, yeah. it, he's doing it or he's hiring people? He's hiring two guys. And is he hiring with. people or the GM's hiring people? I don't know. I mm, think the GM is But apparently your, but your lead is how he's good at analytics. Well, I, it's possible. And by the way, this is my, I'll just say it now, this is my disagreement. Yeah, my, I, you know, I love and I way over-scrutinize game management and the Eagles are probably my favorite team with New England in terms of game management. Except I think we 
agree that there's a, a natural bias there, right? Yes. And how would you describe that? It's about 4% of what a head coach has to do, and it's about half of what I really, really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't you purposely not allow that to over-affect your rankings? No, I'm biased. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey Mitten is yeah. the first step. <laughs> Number five, in Zimmer we trust. 52-28-3 against the spread. I know he wasn't. the Vikings had a down year last year, but uh, Zimmer, you, you bet on him, you make money. Number four, Pete Carroll. Yeah, he's... Hold on. I, I don't like statements like that. Um, Historically, yes, if you had to blindly bet a team this year, maybe it's Minnesota, but we don't want to say you. if you have bet him, you made yeah. money. Yeah. Fair enough, yes. Uh, past returns are no promise of future winnings. Number four, Pete Carroll. Is he wheezing now? He's no, like I'm all good. excited. He's like jiggling. He's <laughs> well, Pete Carroll's kind of a rah-rah older guy, so maybe I'm doing the Pete Carroll. With <laughs> no, I think you were four. just losing your breath. Yeah. Number three, <laughs> Andy Reid, uh, rock solid. Now, how's his game management? Oh, jeez. Not as good as as Peterson's. But uh, the where would you rank if it was just game management? Where would you rank Andy? Uh, I wouldn't even. I'd put him. Out of the top eight, which is seems like every he wouldn't coach. be in the bottom quartile. No, he's got too really? much competition. Yeah, a lot. I'm not one to ever judge that kind of thing, but that, yeah, the problem is RJ. It's almost the bottom quartiles like new coaches every year. They have like six to eight new coaches every year, and you got to put Reed above those guys. Well, I would say the opposite. Like, let's say for the sake of argument that, you know, Wilt Chamberlain, well, I guess is a good example. He was a 50% free throw shooter, right? Mm. Which was really bad. Is if a new random guy came in the league, would you take over or under wall? You would say, well, this guy is one of the worst. An average pro is going to come in and be better. There's a win for RJ. And if anything, the youth, I mean, it seems like the whole game theory stuff is something younger coaches are just much more comfortable with. So if anything, if you're hiring a younger coach, the inexperience isn't necessarily a negative. Correct. In that regard. Yep. <sighs> that was easy for you. I, I actually <laughs> think the younger coaches are so overwhelmed with everything else they have to do that oftentimes... Hold, they- hold on a second. Victory! <laughs> God, Well, there's just so much involved with being a head coach for the first time that oftentimes it just seems like that they don't have the time so saying, or the bandwidth. Saying- yeah, so to hire someone to do it for them. They don't have the t- these billion dollar companies don't have the time to hire somebody. Exactly. Hmm. Like I've never heard that NFL films might go, "Hey, do we have that two point list? No, we left it at the hotel." Come on. Well, what do you mean they don't have time? To- They've been preparing for this. You think that the coaches that are interviewing don't come in with their five-year plan, and they don't have all that work done? Oh, there's no way they have it done. Absolutely, they get it, they've they got get it done. It you have, first off, you have no idea the amount of work these NFL – or you should, but they work like 70, 80 hours a week. Yeah, because there's 100 different things they're working on. No, they have like – I mean, dude, they. you know how many like quality control guys – you know how many people work for these NFL teams? They – if they hired five people to do it, they wouldn't even know 
Meaning there could be five more people and no one would know there was five more people. Brian, I mean, you've been around even just yep. big college programs. And so, uh, quality control. It's, I mean, 10, 15, just quality control guys. In addition you, to your 10 assistant coaches. Then someone has to explain to me why Jesus so many of Christ. can't get it right. I can promise you the last thing we want to do is talk about this little sliver that you think you've yes. got figured out. But you won't stop. Why is that? You haven't gotten enough affirmation in your life. You're the only two-time Super Contest champion. You're not some troll on Twitter trying to get someone to notice you because you figured out a way to go for two when you score down 14. Right or wrong? Right. <laughs> Stop. All right, go ahead. Number two, Sean Payton. <laughs> you know, I, I really like what Sean Payton does in terms of innovation. Little things that he's – he may have copied some of this off of Belichick. I Doesn't don't know. Doesn't matter. But the whole, like, first down – Instead of running the ball, let's throw a screen pass and pick up eight yards per catch instead of four. These little things really add up to your team performing better, and Sean Payton's great with that sort of thing. And the sharp analysis is that's one of the things that he talks about the most is that for the propensity to throw on first down. So I and I think in general you know, just to double back a second about why would these coaches maybe let's assume you're right because you are great at the meta game or you're great at the meta game, the game theory stuff, which I guess is what we're talking about here is a good description of it. Is the idea that they're getting it wrong in your opinion? A lot of it is they're just not embracing the science. And again, I'm not I don't I'm not using that term as in climate science and oh the Republicans don't like science, but rather if someone told you Fez, uh, you know how how's your um, you know how's your quarterly food allergy test going? Because there's like certain people that are huge believers that food allergies, like everyone has like thirty things they're allergic to. They just don't know it, and they're just it just make you know how you have certain meals and you want to lay down, and after other meals you feel good. But it's not just if the meal is healthy. Some people will eat a taco and feel good, and eat something fairly healthy and feel bad. For those people, it's insane that you wouldn't go and have your allergies tested periodically. And for some people, they're saying all this. I mean, let's be candid. Who's the best coaches of all time? Just give me a Don't even worry about the. Give me five. Parcells. Okay. Belichick. Okay. Maybe Lombardi. Lombardi. Okay. Thank you. Maybe Chuck Knoll. Chuck Knoll, sure. Okay. Bill Walsh, Landry. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. That's a good list. How do you think, in hindsight, everyone who coached pre two thousand, so Parcells even would be on that list. How do you think their game theory would stand up to the scrutiny of today's theory? Oh, they'd be clear cut mistakes across the board. All right. So I guess Walsh was just an idiot. No, it's like poker. The game's evolved. Exactly. So what I'm saying is, if this was obvious. Bill Walsh innovated, you know, more football than anyone, or let's say anyone in the quasi-modern era. I don't know about the single wing and all Paul Brown and all the though Belichick certainly does. He was, you know, pretty much there. His dad was. Is I think that when that, it's almost like when we figure it out, it's obvious. But if we didn't know it a week ago, oh, that was excusable. It's like the minute mm-hmm. that someone starts to get something is the minute. If you don't get it, you're dumb. And to me, I don't, you know, was Bill Walsh dumb? No. But I'm confused. 
right? Now, eventually everyone's going to get it because once time after time you're seeing you're wrong. And that's the thing too. It's hard to run these simulations. Like no one, do you really think Andy Reid has a ability to run simulations like the Monte, Monte Carlo? <laughs> Play the game 10,000 times and, oh, if I win the coin toss, I should defer. So really – it's back to the old scientific method, right? Which, again, this is an exact lingo, I'm sure. But it's you have a hypothesis, you test it, you measure it, and you make adjustments. And you loop it, all right? Right. But what is the measure? Meaning, who's right and who's wrong? I know there's algorithms out there that are tracking and they're judging other coaches. And actually, Sean Payton, if I'm remembering right, and I'm almost sure I am, actually was number one on that list, and Belichick wasn't. I can mm-hmm. promise you something. If Belichick isn't number one, I trust Belichick over the whatever algorithm is grading him. Yeah, because the algorithm grader need, has some quirks in it that probably are going to get updated five years from now. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, I would think. Like, like the example you often have used, which is brilliant, you, RJ, where you talk about, oh, it's week 14 and the Patriots are up 17 and they'll run some non-optimal plays in the fourth quarter. And remember, that that was um, Tony Romo making a great point yeah. on that. And, uh, you know, a good example where Romo's insight, it's not how smooth he is on the air. He's bringing stuff to the announce, announcer's job that no one else has brought. And that's always, I mean, Madden was like, that's why Madden got so big. But then you get every year you get further from the game and it the gets second tough. level, third level of thinking. Yeah, yeah. So I guess my point is this. I'll make a prediction, no bet, uh, though I would bet it, is in 10 years, most of the things you think are egregious errors will be out of the game. And haven't you seen that in other things that you felt like, oh, this league was behind in this? And then initially one person was, look at threes in the NBA. That's a great example. Right? Is within five years, everyone said, hey, and now it's almost whipping back in some way. Even D'Antonio has said, boy, you know, if I had to do it over again, Nash would be shooting a whole lot more threes. D'Antonio? D'Antonio. Dan Tony. D'Antonio <laughs> is the coach of Michigan State. Wally Balls, it's my alias. Zach. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> wow. I give him that one. <laughs> That keeps one in the chamber in case you ponder. <laughs> all right, Fez. All right. I guess that entree the giant example was going out the window. <laughs> all right. So we agree. Oh, so finish your list. Number one, the genius Belichick. I all right. said. So, Brad, you pondered this for quite a while. Ten choices. Which one do you most disagree with? Well, the list looks good to me. <laughs> no disagreement. So literally your list would be identical. Pretty much. Yep. All right. I, <laughs> you're one in a million, babe. Daryl, that was one of our great moments on the pod was there was a time Brad had the same exact NFL picks as Fez in a confluence that literally the odds were over one in a million. And we pulled up the GNR song and had it playing as a bet as Brad tried to explain it away. Mm. I mean, we should have retired at that point. <laughs> all right so fez i disagree with peterson and listen i'm a synthesizer of information i mean now do i ever come up with something new yeah but it's all on the backs of other people and to me that bill walsh example you think bill walsh how do you think he'd be doing with 
those game decisions if he were coaching today. Yeah, he'd be cutting edge. Yeah, or, or at minimum, he'd be right behind. He might not be innovating, but he isn't going to fall. He wasn't going to fall behind. And, you know, to me, that is by definition saying let other people inform you and then adopt what they innovate, right? Like when we innovate stuff, I mean, like to me, and I won't get into it because I don't want to help the competition. And by the way, guys, All Access Magazine, which is widely read in the music business and the radio business, uh, did a profile or a 10 questions deal. Now, you would think I'd give them back one page. I gave them like seven pages (laughs) of answers. But had to make sure everyone got enough love. I thought, though, I spent some time on it. So if you check out my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas, it talks about the industry. It talks about where I think things are going. And talks about Fez, Brad, Daryl, the team, et cetera. Okay. To me, the thing I like best that the competition doesn't do is they don't emulate Meaning I try to watch the competition all the time and say, are they doing something better than us? And often, you know, Brad, we just went over today that there was a show doing something, uh, you know, a big show on a big network on t- the TV side that was presenting odds as a list verbally in a way that we thought was or I thought was interesting. We discussed it. We're going to start trying to adopt a little bit of it. To me, what we figured out what what makes our success where it's like i wouldn't say it's a it's a 10x but i mean it's it's far to 2x is far beyond on the media side i mean if you just look at listeners of the pod we're probably like we got to be 7x over anyone and if you look at the fox sports radio versus any other even the tv shows i mean we're at least 5x i mean what the Fox show gets what, like 50K? Yeah, 50K it was. And we got about 250 on the Fox show. Yep. So you would think, well, that guy's doing, you know, that team's doing a pretty good job. What are they doing? Instead, they seem to like purposely not want to do what we do, which I love. So if you're listening, do exactly what you're doing. Oh, wait, they will, they will do the opposite. You should adopt everything I say is a lie, as Spock said. Uh-oh, what does that mean? Think about that. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Imagine if the molecule in my finger was a universe. Little animal house? Huh? Huh? Yes. Did you see that movie, Fess? Three or four times. You did? You never quote that. I'll start. No, please. <laughs> You've been banned from Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways... What do we got left in the NFL? We talked about Zeke, Dak, the QB list. Pros versus the world. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. We got my quarterback change. Oh, I, let me just literally 20 seconds. I was talking about staying on people's shoulders. Mike Lombardi, this guy was Belichick's right. I mean, you know, Belichick says, hey, I want a guy for special projects. And it's Lombardi. Think about that for a second. And, you know, I guess I got a special place because he's treated me really well. He's been a friend to the show. You know, we had dinner with the wives and he let me hold his Super Bowl ring. So, you know, but listen, I can have fun with that, but I'm not going to 
let a guy guide me with, and again, I'm talking about his writings, his podcasts. If I don't think he's right or it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but again, I'm letting Belichick tell me, right? So Lombardi really didn't like Peterson to the point that it was like an obsession with the Philly fans. And he, I'll be honest, I felt like he backed down because just, cause, you know, it's like if you bet the hard eight, right? Bad bet. And you win. Was it a good bet? Something had to come up. You uh, bet the hard eight for a thousand and you pressed it for two. Did I hit it? Nah, you didn't hit it. But it was a big balls bet. So, <laughs> it's a good movie. So for the guy who ended up doing Boogie Nights and then ended up doing, in my opinion, the best movie of the century, There Will Be Blood, Paul Thomas Anderson, his first movie was Hard Eight, which was about Reno and more Reno than Vegas. So it's, it's been playing on cable a little lately. I'd recommend it highly. Uh, probably the most talented director today, I think, in my, or right up there, Paul Thomas Anderson. All right, so... Lombardi said, and he backed down, he said, oh, this Peterson doesn't, you know, he's not, he's below average. I'm not sure that's true, right? Maybe he was wrong about that. But then what he concluded at the end was he was judging him like he judged Belichick, which was, it's kind of interesting, we were talking about film, they have the Artur theory, is the idea that this is a medium film of a, the director. doesn't matter who's the executive producer. Mm. doesn't even matter who the actors are. Though they might perform an amazing, he could have got someone else to do that, right? Or close. And that if you could take away one thing and it would hurt the movie the most, it would be the director. And doesn't matter if Brando's in it or whatever. Okay. That's what Belichick is. Like, imagine what would hurt... And, and again, let's not talk players because players versus coaches are two different things. But like, if you lost the GM, if you lost the offensive coordinator, if you lost the trainer, if you lost the strength coach, Belichick's of all the front offices and all the gin joints is <laughs> Belichick would be removal would be the biggest effect on any team. Is that even debatable? No. And the question is, if Peterson was removed. Feels like they could play. It feels like it's infrastructure. It feels like it's the Eagles front office, like we were addressing with the analytics. I think the Eagles front office might be number eight. Or where do you got Peterson? Six. Six. Oofa. (laughs) That might make sense. But you're telling me you're starting the program from scratch? Who's seven and eight? McVeigh's seven. Oh my God. The boy genius? And your friend Harbaugh is eight. The fact that you would think, I mean, you feel embarrassed right now. No. You think that Peterson would be better to start a program than John freaking Harbaugh. And by the way, his brother, coach of Michigan, <laughs> what are you laughing at? He smells. That's what. <laughs> you mentioned it. Bias towards the game theory and the analytics. But I, the I got like, that and, part, but yeah. it, it's also something he has nothing to do with. You think he's doing the math? No, he's got guys doing it for him. But, but for him, we're having the same conversation yeah, now. For the Eagles. Okay, so how does he get credit for that? Because he's the first one with the balls to go for two when his team's down eight. Okay, that, that I accept. And I'll give him a ton of credit. In that Super Bowl, 
He's the one deciding the Philly special, or at least checking off, saying, okay, guts. I, I mean, listen, alligator blood. Guys get fired for making bad decisions down Man, the You don't road get there. fired when you're in the Super Bowl, but yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying. Alligator blood, no doubt. Right. Give him, in fact, I didn't give that enough credit. Great point. Doesn't come close to saying he's better than Harbaugh, who won a Super Bowl, all right, and didn't need the Philly special. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is, let's be candid, because we're not here to be right. I mean, the fact I'm right 99% of the time when we argue, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it might to the people out there, the, you know, all the hundreds of thousands tallying it up. <laughs> but to me, Faz, it's the truth that matters. You can't say that that insight, that the Philly front office versus the head coach, isn't something that is like, wow, it's a good point. That's a great point. So how are you going to downgrade him? Well, I think, it, like we said, wisdom of crowds. I no, think- no, 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 no. Because if anything, if you always go by wisdom of crowds, you'd always think the line was the market line. That's by definition the wisdom yes. of crowds. Yes. So the wisdom of crowds isn't always right. But the wisdom of RJ is rarely wrong. Well, I don't know about that. I, I can argue the point. Well, I agree with that. But what I'll say is... Think on that. Let's talk about it next week. But, I mean, Brad, you've been sitting here. What do you think? After further review, I maybe have a disagreement <laughs> with Essex's list. Uh, but I would agree with you. If it were the front offices, I'd put the Eagles right there, if not yeah. even higher. I just don't think Peterson's – I think they could hire someone tomorrow that wouldn't be – again, let's, let's caveat the guts to go for it when they did. All right. We're done with the coaches? Not yet. we got to disagree with NFL.com. Oh, all right, Fez, you start. All right, so Elliot Harrison, NFL.com, had a list of his top ten. Don't don't go into uh, broadcast voice. Just talk. My number one disagreement. (laughs) In his top ten, he has the Chargers coach, Anthony Lynn, in the top ten, number eight. Is Is that your normal voice? It is. No, it's not. Goes, not. And in the top ten. It's good to have you with us for this event. <laughs> it figures to be an exceptional one, one that doesn't need any buildup. Any buildup. And he was dead on arrival. Is that how you talk normally? Now I'm trying <laughs> to talk normal. Just it's going to be a little difficult. <laughs> but I don't have Anthony Lynn in my top ten or in my top 15. He's about number 20 on my list and your non-existent list past 10. Yes. He, the mythical list. And again, maybe I just have this bias because Anthony Lynn, what he, the areas of coaching that he struggles in are the ones I pay the most attention to. So I'm probably a little bit too harsh, but having him in the top 10, anyone who watched the Chargers lose to Denver at home last year, if you disagree with me and you think he should be in the top 10, go back and watch that game, and I think you'll come back and say, Anthony Lynn does not belong in the top 10. You know what's funny? It reminds me of his list. I don't know if you know this about WWF slash E lore, but the Intercontinental title was awarded initially, but they said they had a tournament in Puerto Rico that never existed. Hmm. I did not know that. I've been hanging and banging for years. Was that Bruno San Martino? The guy that just spoke? No, the first Intercontinental title holder. Do you think Bruno would have taken the second title? Morales. (laughs) I think Pedro Morales, I think it was, actually. But Pedro did have the, you know, he was the title holder when Ivan Koloff beat Bruno. 
There's actually tape of that on YouTube. The whole Bruno, I think, had been champion seven years, eight years, hadn't been beat. When he got beat by Ivan Koloff, the garden, and they have tape on this, you could, I mean, like the old saying, you could hear a pin drop. You could hear a pin drop, is how Fez would say, is literally, it just, it was a hush. And it was like they couldn't, it was like seeing like Superman, you know, fall, you know, stumble and fall. It was unbelievable. But then what they tend to do in wrestling is they have a bad guy win, and he holds the title like the Iron Sheik did against Backlund, and then the next good guy yeah. comes in, WWE style. Yeah. That's what they've done. But, again, it was Pedro, I think, if I'm correct. Yeah, that sounds right. Though I remember T- Tito Santana, Tito. long-time Santana. Intercontinental yeah. Champion. Macho got it from him. Oh, Macho. Yeah. yeah. He's tough. <laughs> I could spend about a whole year just going through Macho interviews. I could, too. I spent many nights going through old promos of his. All right. So, Fez, what's next? Oh, so you, Lane, I agree with you. I mean, he's bottom half the league, in my opinion. All right, Brad, what's your big disagreement? I'm going to go with Mike Zimmer, who is number 10 in the NFL.com list. I have Mike Zimmer much higher, and it just comes down to this. If you blindly bet on Mike Zimmer. So, Fez, you got him much higher, too, right? Yeah, number five. But you agree with the list. All right, it all works. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree with the list. It, it, it works. So, I mean, if you blindly bet on Mike Zimmer since he became a head coach in 2014, you have hit about 65% against the spread. That's better than anybody, including Belichick. If you bet on Zimmer, you make money. You did, Well, you, <laughs> you've made money in the past. Doesn't mean you're going to make money in the, in the future, but when you can beat the market over five years at 65% clip, I think you're better than and No one else 10. is over 60, even no. Belichick. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. All right. Mine is, uh, where did they have Bruce Arians, like 13 or 14? Fuzz? I only wrote down the top 10. 16, they had him. Okay. I think that's way too low. He's better than that. Um, Colin today was talking about Arians, and, and we're taping on Wednesday here at the pregame.com offices in Las Vegas at right now 6.30 Eastern or 6.30 Pacific local time. <laughs> and the weather, it's 99 degrees. And that's a problem. <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> the... Colin's point was that that Bruce kind of, what's the right way to say it? Packed it in early that last year. That was his point. Yep. I don't know what phrase he used. He just wasn't, his effort level wasn't Yeah, checked there. out a little bit. Yeah. And if so, that can be an indictment of his character in a way, I guess, or at least his work character. But the assumption is if he comes back, he's going to coach hard. And when he coached hard... Bruce Arians was, I think, sir, I mean, Fez, where would you have had him? I mean, you look at what happened to that Arizona team yeah. after he left. I, I, I think if you that look. That team literally, didn't they make the, 
They made the playoffs a couple years, but weren't they like the number two seed? I mean, they, 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 were, they had guys like Ryan Lindley at quarterback in the playoffs. They had years where the whole year it was like Carson, like Carson Palmer would play four games and he ended up 12 and four. Yeah, and you know, one thing I loved about him is that every other coach seemingly would, oh, let's simplify the playbook, let's not throw the ball. And it's like third, we talk about the, you got to get that, those third and 12s. And he would just throw bombs. He, he knew that that was the way to win in the NFL, even with a suspect quarterback and i mean as a Steeler fan you know f- former oc but we let him go the, i mean it was our choice he was if i'm not mistaken he was out of the league for a year or two or he certainly wasn't in a let's say he did a lateral move at best but i think he dropped you know dropped at minimum if he even was in the league so the fact that he was so good with arizona initially i kind of resisted i didn't want to think the Rooney's could have made that kind of decision uh, you know, such a bad decision. But again, with Big Ben and the personalities, who knows? But you look back at those Arizona teams and the records they had with the quarterbacks they had with the injuries, it might have been the, you know, right there with Belichick and Zimmer and, you know, you know a couple of others. Yeah, and you look at an organization that has not had a lot of success, frankly, has not had a really good fan base, and he really just turned that all around. Back to the Allen Boston, what's the base level for an, right. for an organization? And there's one big, uh, you know, that's the hockey stream music right there. Yeah, They're right, right there. I'll take, it. I'll take it. Brad, you, you you got that information? Well, let's. I mean, Fez. He went to the Colts right after the Steelers, like a special assistant. No, he was all OC, and then uh, ended up becoming the interim coach at here. Okay, okay, I remember now. And then there was a yeah, and then and he went right to Arizona. Guys, correct correct me if I'm wrong. I think he had a health issue in his final season, and then he's gotten a clean bill of health. Well, I mean, we we listen when a guy retires early, and again for him, how early was I don't know. It's usually they, he doesn't want to abandon the team. It's a healthy so. I think most people over 50, you could say they got hypertension or they can lose some weight or whatever, right? All right. Real quick, Colin was going on and on about Shanahan. And I agree. I think in this way, I I think Shanahan has the potential to be a great coach. He seems to have all the makings. And you could look at his quarterbacks and say, with Mullins, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep was the quarterback last year that had, like, shockingly good numbers. I think he was a QBR, like, right around 20 somewhere. It was, it was amazing. Third-string guy. Who had a QBR of 20? Um, Mullins. 20, like... Like, he was 20th in the league. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Oops. when you say QBR of 20... Right, he was ranked, like, somewhere around 20th. Okay. Um... Again, you have a computer right there, right? I'll look it up. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to talk about it, you might as well. You know, let me guess, as if Google didn't exist. Mm, <laughs> 20? Funny story before you got here. Professor's <laughs> asking, does anybody have this? Does anybody have this? Daryl goes, hey, uh, it's Google. go to Google and type this. <laughs> Bro, I was just getting ready to say that. Well, I was about to light Fizz up right No one there. likes a tattletale, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was classic. <laughs> Why are you crying? Why are you crying? <laughs> Good, Mullins, 21st QBR. Hey, good guess. Yeah, it was. All right. There's three topics you haven't addressed in the NBA. The Lakers signings, the Clippers signings. Jeez, you were gone when the Clippers had? Wow. Let's go with 60 seconds. You're on the watch, Brad. And you can address any of those. 
However, but you got 60 seconds. Go. Love what the Clippers have on defense right now. You look at Paul George, number two in his position, and real plus minus defense. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard can cover anybody. Patrick Beverly still with the team. He was number six in real plus minus, and they picked up a guy from Portland, Harkless, who was number 12 in real plus minus. So many of these other teams making acquisitions, but the Clippers have four guys here who can all play defense advantage Clippers. And theory is Iggy might be coming there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huge. Houston, Harden and Westbrook. Everyone's talking about the offense. How are they going to coexist? They both want the ball. What no one seems to be talking about is the fact that neither plays defense. Westbrook, number 32 in defensive, real plus minus. Chris Paul was number one in real plus minus defensively. Now that's fascinating because we actually had sound from Kenny the Jet Smith saying he thought Westbrook motivated was a better defender than Chris Paul. So the question is motivation. Last one. Last one. Let's talk Lakers. Love that they added shooters. Obviously getting Danny Green paid for him, but I think that that's really important that they pick him up along with Quinn Cook. So I like the acquisitions that the Lakers made. Wow, that is crazy. How long did it take? A minute 15. Not bad. That was pretty good. All right. Should have wait. Lakers Cousins is the good acquisition, Fez. Dollar for dollar. So let's agree. We talked about Cousins last week I uh, on on the part when you were, you know, at one of the Hawaiian islands that normal people can't get to. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, was is it true or not? Just true or false? Did you have to take a plane that needed to be chartered to get to the location? False. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the world all right i'll believe it that's not what your agent said now (laughs) if you say you've got a big two and obviously i'd say lebron though you're 17 a historic number of minutes on those legs you had the aau article at espn did you read that brad no i haven't give it a read okay it is uh at, you know, Zach Lowe was talking on the Simmons pod how the, it really caused him to rethink a lot of things about, you know, the trend line with some of these players. And that we've never seen, like, we're now getting players, and I'm not saying for the first time, but how many, I, I don't even know, when did AAU get so big where they were playing this many games? But the theory is if you count those minutes on their legs, this is the first generation or one of the first generations where they've got all those AAU minutes on their legs, and now when they're 34, it's different, right? Because what they did when they were 17. So, and LeBron is the you know poster child for playing a lot of minutes in AAU, a lot of minutes in the Olympics, everything. Like, what did he miss? Right, not mm-hmm. the playoffs except for last year. So, but all that said, I think LeBron and Anthony Davis probably are the biggest two right now especially with Duran Hurt. And if we said two through eight, or check that, let's go four through eight, because let's accept the fact that Kuzma is a good three, or at least he has the potential to be. Now, Brad, all week during Straight Out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio, 6 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific, every weekday. The only gambling show in the world on one of the three major networks, radio syndicated networks, 200 stations, 
the three being obviously Fox, ESPN, and CBS. Fez, when you were gone in the island that somehow everyone could get to by ferry, apparently, (laughs) like we believe it, is Brad all week in pre-production was saying that one of the Kardashians, Dayton Kuzma, should lead the show. (laughs) And (laughs) I resisted, Daryl resisted, but let's be honest, let's put a little K with a question mark right by Kuzma (laughs) and say, all right, but let's accept he's a good three. Four through eight, where's the Lakers rank? Because I'm going to tell you right now it's 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way, mm-hmm. way below average. Mm-hmm. So how can their signings be good? They have all the cap space. They didn't have any. It wasn't like there was a ton of legacy contracts. They didn't have to re-sign some of the guys they did. So I'm confused. How can the signings be good, but the people they signed are way below average? And they literally had a third max contract. So they split that up amongst it was Kawhi playing. I mean, you could say they did well. Now, listen, this is different. If you say given the fact they waited so long because it was worth rolling the dice on Kawhi, that given the givens, it's like a guy that didn't sleep because his daughter was sick and then ran a marathon. Maybe it wasn't a good time, but it was a good time given the givens. Exactly. So I leave for vacation. I'm like, oh, and I find out, oh, Kawhi's going to the Clippers. I'm like, the Lakers are screwed. It's too late to get anyone. And they got the very best of the leftovers. Hmm. All right. Yeah, may, and maybe it's hard to blame them if, if it was worth rolling the dice on Kawhi. And it had to be because, let's be honest, yeah. if they signed Kawhi, they were what? You had them at minus 150? Minus yeah. 150. So it was worth rolling the dice. I just think, I just can't think resigning everyone that just had, or not everyone, but a lot of people. Like, who, the Cousins thing I agree with. But otherwise, I guess it's paradoxical, but you can have both thoughts. Is They have, a, you know, the 25th or so best, four through eight. But given the givens, they did a good job because it could have been the worst. All right. But they're old. Ooh. Father Time's undefeated. Ain't that right, Brad? And RJ against Fez and debates. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Close. Remember, remember, LeBron, of course, played about 55 games last year. It'd be interesting if he plays like 70 this year. Why How, would he do that? Why would he play 70? Yeah. Load management. Oh, so 70 is, is saying not a lot of games. Right. I think 70 is a lot. You think he'll play more or less? I don't know because for LeBron, there's a lot of ego involved. And again, that's part of why he's LeBron, meaning I'm not going to blame him. After playing all 82 you know, the year before, I think he'll probably play 76, 77. Hmm. I don't know. That's one I don't have a feel for. That's Again, we call them cockroaches, rightfully so, but the bookies – not on props like this, but they got to put a lineup on everything uh, that's expected. And sometimes you just don't have a good opinion. And I, and I don't. Because I could see both. In a way, I think it's high variance. I yeah. think he could be 77 or above. Or he could be, like, if you gave me plus 400 that he played 
67 or less, I'd take it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also a lot of it depends on their, their where they are in their playoffs. If they're kind of locked into the 3-4, yeah, for but instance. that never really happens. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I mean, cause especially, the West. Yeah, especially how good yeah, the West yeah. is going to be. Right. West is loaded, my goodness. So we teased about uh, talking about D'Antoni, but it actually fits. Next week, it's been long threatened. And it's been me mostly that's been thinking about it and not quite ready because I really think I'm going to make more changes to my NBA playoff handicapping between seasons than any year in memory. Next week, we're going to do that. Now, if there's anything really topical, we'll throw it at the end of the show. So this D'Antoni sound actually fits right in with that. So we're going to save it. And now, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to go through the SEC like in six minutes? Oh, easy. Easy. Then we're going to do a minute or two or two on the World Series of Poker and then best bets. And there's four of them. Essler, Fezzik, Powers, and Bell. And this is just our one and only commercial break. All right, guys. Expect this for football season. The growth of the pod. And again, thank you from what we talked about last week where you guys are spreading the word and that's the really the best way you can thank us if you like the show. And why would you listen if you didn't like it? So we have a new sponsor, Raycon. And let's be honest, in today's electronics world, everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. Now, one of the options is you can drop hundreds of dollars on a pair. You need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. And listen, obviously... When you're paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars, you would say, well, you get what you pay for. And maybe there's truth in that in certain circumstances, meaning if you're in a very quiet place, you're listening to classical music and there's a huge dynamic range. Yeah, but let's be honest. What are you doing most of the time that you have your earbuds on? You're out and about. And that's really what Raycon is built for. And you're getting it for half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And they sound amazing. I'm a podcast guy. You know, I obviously do one, but I listen a ton. And in my experience, the Raycon, again, at half the price, very positive for the pods, for the, you know, for the music in most cases. And, you know, I would say in all, I mean, to me, I don't have the ears. I mean, if you've got those supersonic ears, maybe you can hear a difference. I can't. And at half the price, that difference better be mighty, mighty big. What are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash bell. So let's spell that. Buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, dot com slash bell, B-E-L-L, to get your 15% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash bell for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been ironing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal, that 15% discount, and you can get it only by Raycon.com slash Bell. All right, SEC time. I just got a few words to say. Go, Brad, go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, you start at the top. Alabama right now, an overwhelming favorite, or at least better than 50% to win the conference. Right now, about minus 200 to win the SEC Alabama, followed by 
a Georgia team who's almost knocked off Alabama off their perch the last couple of years at 3-1. to one. Can I talk this, though, first, RJ? Because the biggest – we had SEC media almost week this week. A couple of the big news coming out of the SEC media has actually had some gambling flair to it. The SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, came out and says he was really concerned with – you know, gambling expanding. And his biggest concern wasn't necessarily that, you know, players would be betting on games that we hear from some commissioners that, you know, worried about. I mean, when you talk about integrity, when it's in fact reversed because it's legalized, he was actually worried about the student athlete's health, mental health. And he was using the examples of maybe a player missing a field goal and that affects the point spread. How would that affect one of the athletes? So, uh, no, hold on. Let me jump in because from what I read, it wasn't that. That he was being in a way more nuanced, but I don't think it holds water, is he was saying player props. He was saying the idea that a single player, you're right, there's occasions that one, but you could say it's the holder, you could say it's a snap. But if you bet a guy over 19 points in a college basketball game, it's that guy, yeah. Yeah. right? So... Yeah, the problem is, I mean, you can't bet player props at the college level. It's not even hardly widely available. So, but but, but again, how? Unless it's a, you know a big you know a huge like NCAA, but, but it's also in, game. but in a way, it's in game betting is. Yeah. I mean, like if if someone's so listen, I'm not saying the guy made a ton of sense because you know I'm not a college player prop guy, so. I'm not really thinking what's available. Obviously, we don't know what's going to be available as things keep growing. To me, the real story is, and and let's give them some credit here, the NCAA cares about the players. That is priority number one. I mean, what, what, you don't think so, Brent? No. Now, listen, to me, this isn't political, but when I came up, you know, The Art of the Deal was a huge book in the late 80s, meaning I was in high school and just went to college. I read The Art of the Deal back then. And the one thing I remembered, and when Trump became president, I reread it just thinking, hey, it's pertinent. But the one thing I remembered from reading it a long time ago was he talked about Jimmy Carter, former president, and this would have been in the mid-80s maybe, walks into Trump's office, had never met Trump, and he said, Donald I need you to donate $5 million to my, you know, I think it was building the houses. And Trump said that's why he became president. To have the balls to walk into someone you never met and say, I need five mil. And in a way, how did this dude become SEC? I don't know how people become commissioners of the SEC, but I know it has something to do with the fact that he would walk out there with a straight face and he could possibly say, we're so concerned about the player's health and this gambling, I think, is a big problem. It's not that they're not getting paid. It's not all the other crap. It's the gambling. And he said it. You could think he was a mortician. At no point did you get any sense he's winking. or That's why he's the SEC commissioner. Every time I call a game, you call it a business. And every time I call it a business, you call it a game. So great drop, I, I think, to be honest with you, it's not worth even talking about because, one, I'm not even sure if it makes sense. Like you said, he, he was very specific. He had a phrase that was like single player. But but there's a bunch of – I'm not a daily fantasy player, but there's a bunch of that in daily fantasy. Oh, yeah, there is daily fantasy. So 
that feels like more of the problem. Yeah. So I don't know, right? I would say this again. These are sharks. I mean, these are like bloodsuckers. I mean, the, I'll bring out the line people love the, the shrimp buffets at the bowl games. That's what these these guys are living <laughs> off the the however they say it, how do they say it, the the uh, teat or however they say it in a way that's not offensive of. The industrial complex of NCAA sports. It's like a big pond, not a Ponzi scheme as much. It's a big kind of self dealing. So, self dealing, and again, I'm no expert on this, but in government, it's like you, you know, Halliburton, the famous thing with Cheney, he was the former executive there. Then Halliburton's getting all these contracts. The question in Iraq, a war that Cheney started, like, where did that all begin? And there's the famous line on the Sopranos where it was right after Katrina and there was all kind of money being made with all the companies all rebuild this thing for 20 mil. Who knows if it's 20 mil or five mil who's checking that stuff. They're losing hundreds of millions of cat bricks of cash in Iraq. People aren't counting the money all that closely. And Tony Soprano said, so what, you know, how's things working out after Katrina? He goes, let me say this, Dick Cheney for president. Of the universe. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so, and again, now how much, not that David Chase has great insight necessarily into how truthful all that crap is. I don't know. Right. But what I know is in the government, there's a ton of self-dealing. There's a ton of people. Hey, you think, I listen, I loved Reagan. Right. I thought that it's hard to dispute, in my opinion, that we won the Cold War. And that was, I'm just old enough to remember hiding under my chair because it's a nuclear bomb drill is if I get under my little wooden desk, it's an eighth of an inch is going to save us from the nuclear bomb. And in night in, in, in 1992, let's call it 90, you weren't thinking about nuclear war and you were, I mean, Fez, you're significantly older than me. You remember that, right? In Dayton, you probably did the bomb drills. I only remember tornado drills. Oh, so Fez is trying to act like he's young, like somehow, <laughs> I guess with that jet black hair. I mean, yeah. she, <laughs> you don't even see that in ba- like, even like 10 year olds don't have hair that black. No, it's a, it's a, you know, Reagan, speaking of Reagan, everyone thought he dyed his hair and he swore and everyone swore to the end. He didn't. But it's funny if it was today, there'd be like some big special where they cut his hair, do the analysis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to have to do that with yeah. Fez. Yeah. Oh, you know, minus 900 is he using hair dye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where were we? You're wrapping up the, the SEC. The, the, oh, talking oh. about the NCAA guy. Oh, okay. So anyway, Jimmy Carter came in. Yep. This guy did about the same thing. Go, Brad, go. So, I mean, with regards on the field with the SEC, I mean, it's more of the same. Alabama, the clear-cut favorite. The stat's out there for a lot of people, but Alabama's been favored in 126 of their last 127 games. And right now in Vegas, you can bet a majority of Alabama's games. And the closest point spread for Alabama right now in any of their regular season games, 13 on the road against their arch-rival Auburn. So clearly... Outside of Georgia, Alabama still has this clear separation between them and the rest of the league. 
I guess the one weakness that we saw from Alabama, maybe Nick Saban kind of uh, pinpointed it today. That that was one of the major news that's coming out of his press conference today. He thought one of the reasons why Alabama really struggled in that championship game was he had a lot, not players, but assistant coaches that were more worried in the process going up to that game, more worried about their next job instead of equal, you know preparing Alabama against Clemson. So he brought that up today, almost setting the tone that he's not going to tolerate that moving forward among his assistant coaches. Well, so th- it's funny because when he's winning, that was one of the reasons the Saban, oh, he can even lose assistance and he's fine, yes. right? A la Belichick, where with Clemson, they've had an amazing consistency. Yes, you're right? correct. So it's kind of interesting that now that they lose the one game, that that's the problem. So Saban's not an excuse maker, and maybe he felt like it hurt the teams in the prior years, but he still was able to win, so it wasn't worth talking about. But hey, same thing with Belichick, right? If you win, if you're going to hire a coordinator, isn't Alabama the first place you're going? Yep, absolutely. And Georgia clearly is is that second team right behind Alabama in the SEC, and Georgia is a team – that looking at this year might have the best offensive line in the entire country, but very inexperienced at the wide receiver spot. Have a top five quarterback in Jake Fromm. George is a team that's going to be favored in all 12 of their games this season. I will be stunned at if it's Atlanta in the first week of December, if it's not Alabama versus Georgia for the SEC championship right, so game. I'm always questioning words like stunned. So if I said it's not George, Alabama, what kind of plus number are you giving me? I'm going to give you four to one. Okay. So that means when it's 80%, so 20% event happening stuns you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I exaggerated. I pulled a fast. All right. I would be surprised. All right. That's that better, a good, better I, than that's a good word. Yeah. Stunned is like, yeah. I mean, you got to give me 20 to one on stunned. Fair enough. I wasn't going to do no, that. Do you like that number? Plus 400 on it not being those two? You know, my first thing. Who's the best team in the SEC otherwise? It'd be LSU. But the LSU, you know, has to go to Alabama. And right now, she's a 16-point dog in that game. Oh, so who's the best team in Georgia's side? Florida. Florida. And right now, Georgia's about a six-point favorite on a neutral against Florida. Ooh. You know, it's yeah. So what's even the odds in that game? that A six-point favorite's going to be one on the money line in college football? Plus 220. Okay, but so you're, you're giving you're plus saying, 400 on plus 220. But I guess Georgia's going to have an edge in the, uh, you know, throughout the other games too. But okay, then that price lines up probably right. Yeah, because Florida ha- pulls, you know, it has to play at LSU. So that's a big negative for Florida and mm-hmm. conference. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and just to be clear, Georgia doesn't play Alabama on the schedule when you say they're, Ex- though that's exactly. Go ahead. Yep. All right, continue. And, you know, the talking, speaking of LSU, the clearly would be the third best team. I think this is Ed Orgeron's. Best team he's had, 16 returning starters. Finally has some stability, probably for the first time for LSU in nearly a decade at the quarterback spot. LSU is a team I'm really high on. I have them number four in my power ratings in the entire country. But you plug that into LSU's schedule, I still can only get LSU to about nine or ten wins max this year. That's how tough their schedule is. Talk Florida. Dan Mullen did a really good job this past season. 
10 wins for Florida. Arguably had their best season since Tim Tebow's senior year at quarterback for Florida. This year's team experienced quarterbacks back for Felipe Franks, who really was one of the most improved quarterbacks in the country last year. Defense's experience, I think clearly LSU and Florida are clearly the second best teams in their divisions outside of Alabama and Georgia at the top. Then if you're looking for maybe some sleepers in the conference, Tennessee would be my one sleeper, the team that I'm higher on in my power ratings than, than the rest of the market. This is, you know, second year Jeremy Pruitt. I know tennis, you're, you're laughing a little bit. Fizz. Hey, if you want to bet, go right ahead. I'm taking over six and a half wins for the Volunteers, team that plays a very not, soft non-conference schedule, is the most experienced team coming back as far as the power ratings. What, what's the, the little giggle there? Is it the Georgia-Tennessee game? Yeah, our video on Georgia-Tennessee from a couple years and ago. That, yeah, and you won that one easily. That's a long time ago. Don't worry about it. No, I just I like reading your eyes. Now, if there's one team that, ooh, you, he's like almost cracking me. Like, looks, I, I love, I didn't say looking at your eyes. I love reading your eyes. You were, jeez. My goodness, Fez, you're turning in this. What was he? I I wasn't looking. What was he trying to do? Like acting like you were? No, he was like smirking, and his eyes was going like. I this. got one right against Brad like years ago in a video. So and he's just I'm reliving it again. When I said I like reading your eyes, women weaken legs. When I said I like looking at your, you know, reading your eyes, it was almost like I like looking into your eyes. I didn't Wait, say that, Fez. Fez needs to get. Fez needs to get. I'm trying to sit down for once in this pod. Yeah. They won't let me. Fez <laughs> needs all the affection he can get. Come on. Fair enough. Especially coming off of uh, an extended vacation. <laughs> Second one already this summer. If there's a one team in the league that I think is going to take a massive step back this season, it's Kentucky. A team that, you know, I'm actually surprised the market as is accounting for this almost appropriately. And I'm, I'm stunned by this because I, I got to think, Fez, 10 years ago, a team that wins 10 games one year, they're not going to come in the next season with a season win total of six or six and a half. I just don't think that happens 10 years ago. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. And I mean, think even in terms of the NFL, it's like a two-game adjustment seems to be close to the maximum, right? Yeah, and I was thinking I was going to get a season win total maybe seven and a half or eight on Kentucky, and I was going to go under. Nope, market comes in very... I would say pessimistic for the Wildcats and appropriately so a team that loses a generational type player, at least for their program on offense, Benny Snell on defense, Josh Allen goes third in the draft and, and RJ has some really good inside and it has had Kentucky pegged really well and, and actually beat me on some Kentucky bets last year with Stoops. I'm not buying Stoops this year after such a really good season a year ago. No, I agree. I mean, this feels like it, it's almost like the NBA players that, contract year they're in shape and they're not other years they got a big contract exactly and it's kind of like like hey if we don't make it there's always that contract for people that if we don't make another penny we're you know we're set for life this one probably was that you know and it's all based on how much you know a million could set you for life if you lived very frugally by the way Fez, let me get this straight there was like a four minute back and forth with you two because you were right about one bet like Three years ago? I didn't say anything, RJ. But you were saying you were like your eyes were dark. Like Brad's never like, accused you of making faces. I had a facial tick. I'm sorry. When did that start? Four minutes ago. Brad, in a, we- <laughs> in a weird way, he was like, this is like the greatest compliment <laughs> to you. Comparatively speaking, you are like a grain of sand in the Sahara Desert. Yeah. And I am the entire desert. <laughs> I mean, that one win. Yeah, that one win. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right, go ahead. 
very good drop by Macho. There, my goodness. One of my favorites of all time. So, Fez, as I was saying, if there's one team I'm buying, it's Tennessee. If there's one team I'm selling, it's Kentucky. Other than that, I think the, the other biggest storyline in the SEC is the Auburn Tigers, a team that has a head coach in Gus Malzahn who's on the hot seat despite getting a contract extension just two years ago, has a losing record since he got that contract extension. And I got to be honest, I'm not seeing it for Auburn this year. Why? Because of the schedule. Here's an Auburn team that's going to be an underdog in at least five games this year, and that's not even counting the opener where they're playing a top 15 Oregon team. Auburn's about a field goal favorite there. If that one, if Auburn loses the opener against Oregon, here's a team because of all the turmoil surrounding their head coach, I would like to fade after that week one game. I think their almost entire season hinges on that one. And game very losable, right? Auburn's small favorite, three? Yeah, three-point favorite in that one. And the negative, the biggest negative in that game is Auburn's going to go with a freshman quarterback against arguably what I think is going to be the most NFL-ready quarterback in the entire country, Justin Herbert for Oregon. I would take Justin Herbert over to Atunga Bailoa. I know I'm in the minority there, but that's a major disadvantage for Auburn in that game. That game's in Jerry's world? Jerry's world. Is that an example where there'll be more Auburn fans? So initially it'll be louder for Auburn, but the crowd could turn on them? Well, here's my thing, because I could see RJ, you got to have a big bet on Oregon. You just gave me a good case. Freshman quarterback versus the best quarterback, coach on the hot seat. The problem that I have is Auburn's really good at the non-sexy football positions. They have a top 10 offensive line in the country, top five defensive line, top 10 special teams units. And I made the mistake last year of backing a Pac-12 team in kind of SEC country against Auburn. I was really high in Washington in that game. And I'm not afraid to admit it. I have a little trepidation after that result going up against the SEC with a Pac-12 conference. When's the last time the Pac-12 won a major non-conference game, whether it be a bowl, a big bowl game or at one of these early season games? It's been several years. That's what's holding, preventing me from betting Oregon in that one. That's pretty much all I got on the SEC. All right. Brad Powers, everybody. <laughs> you said six minutes. We went I, longer no, than that. I read nine newspapers a day. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm just saying you got, I'm like the dad. You, you guys talk amongst yourselves. I, was, I don't have much in college football. I was taking a break. You, uh, but what you do have is really like it's like outside the box and it's questions that no, I'll do, I'll do 10, 15 shows a week leading up to college football season, you know, leading up to that first week. And RJ will ask me five, six questions that no one's asked me. You know, does Oregon ever travel like this far? I mean, it seems unusual to so, me. So hold on a second. Brad, that was probably one of the top five compliments you ever gave me. And Fez decides instead of letting it sit for a minute, instead of letting me respond, he asks a question that is – like as unrelated, it was almost like don't don't pay a compliment, to RJ. I'm physic. I'm physic. I'm physic. I mean, that was almost code translation. If if the bubble would have popped up over his head, what were you thinking there, Fez? Like you don't like people talking about anyone but you. Wasn't thinking. <laughs> but just but that's funny though. He says he wasn't thinking. But how often does he just ask a question? When I'm up at the mic, meaning I got that when I was sitting down for a minute, he was trying to ask questions. I'm up at the mic, and you say something yeah. about me, and he jumps in on another topic. Yep. When have you ever... He doesn't do that. But somehow that was his default, he's saying. Yep. 
Just let I, it simmer sometimes, Fez. No, 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 no. He knows every move he's making. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. I'll just say this, Brad. Thank you. And again. Oh, thank you, because you make me think. Well, and nothing against these, you know, local radio guys, but I, they you're don't. You're saying local like you have a turd in your mouth. Nothing with these <laughs> local guys. They don't make they're me. They're national now, They don't buddy. make me think like you do sometimes. Well, listen. In a weird way, it's my lack of knowledge that allows me. It's like I'm a, from the mouth of babes. I don't know college football at the player level, so I can look at it without the biases. So sometimes I'll say goofy stuff, and sometimes it might have some sense. All right. It could be the first time the main event has been won with Pocket Kings. And he would take the king of spades here along with any other spade or a seven. Other than that... It is over. And the river car, the queen of clubs, will end the night. San Martino comes up empty on that board. Hossein Ensign put a harness on the main event final table from the start. He faltered for a bit and then rode it all the way to the finish line to become the 2019 world champion. All right. Quite the call there. Good job, Daryl. Fez, what's your, to me, my main takeaway is age related, the, you know, advanced age of the winner. Otherwise, what's your main takes? Yeah. So the World Series of Poker is truly the a championship of the world, not of America. You look at the final three, three poker pros, the winner from Germany, second place, San Martino from Italy, and of course, third place from Canada. Totally an international final three and an international tournament. And if you look at the now, this was the second most entrance ever. Jamie Gold's year was the n- number one, and it wasn't that far off. So obviously, Black Monday or whatever the different days are, I forget now in hindsight, hurt poker online. And it's taken a long time to catch up, but I mean, this is the second biggest. And here's the thing to remember: Moneymaker was like six hundred, seven hundred, whatever, the year he won it, and it was twenty five hundred the next year. So that's like, wow, do the math, right? Four X or beyond. But we're over triple now than it was the year after. So when the craze was happening. The, the, you know, I guess this is what calculus is, is the idea of is what is the steep, what is the slope of the line? How steep is it? That line was really steep, but it only got you to 2,500. And now we're at, I think, probably where the level is, meaning, and, and something else that jumped out at me, we had a kid, you know, and again, this is a kid that is maybe 25 now here watching the show a day or two ago. And he was saying he remembered watching Moneymaker when he was like 12 years old. And it didn't dawn on me. I thought, well, the Moneymaker effect ended a year or two after. But in theory, every kid that turns mm-hmm. 21 that watched Moneymaker when he was of the age, he probably got the deck of cards out, bought some chips, played with their, their buddies, and now they're finally getting to play. And maybe it's just playing one, two or whatever, but a percentage of them are playing in, in the World Series. So... In a way, moneymaker effect is rippling through time. Let me ask you a quick question. So if moneymaker doesn't... Oh, you are good at that, apparently. <laughs> if he doesn't spike the boat on the river against Ivy, how many people are in the World Series this year? <sighs> well, would there be any reason 
because I don't remember, was ESPN's participation, let's say the moneymaker year, any different than the year before? Because if I remember right, there was a big uptick in ESPN's participation, and it was certainly during the moneymaker year. Because mm-hmm. remember, I, yes. we followed him, and I, was the year before that, you know, I don't remember even if I, I – and I think it was a guy's name who started with a V or whatever was the champion the year, but I'm not sure about that, and Brad's looking it up. But to me, other than Moneymaker, what else could it have been, which would only be if ESPN had ramped up coverage as much as they might have that year, right? Otherwise, I'd say it would have went up about as much as it did the year before, which was only, you know, like from 580 to, you know – 650 or whatever it was. I mean, each the funny thing is, all the way up to the Jamie Gold year, and there was 38 World Series of Poker tournaments over 37 years in, in a few weeks, which was a big point of contention on Twitter, if you can believe it. I said 38 years. And again, it was crazy. There was only two years that the number of entrants did not rise. Mm. Literally, the first year there was seven. The second year there was six, and then I think in '92 there was a drop. So it was every year it was just going up a little, and then obviously, jet fuel. So who was a champion the year before Moneymaker, Brent? It was Robert Varconi. Oh, see that? Ah, yes, yes. A little credit there. All right. So he was the dude that was going bald with the kind of dark skin. So. and you're right. I mean, there was a clear jump. I mean, there was 839 guys that was, money makers year, year okay, after 839. Okay, year after 2576, and then after that, 5619. Yeah. Then it started. But what was the what was the year before money maker? Year before money 631. So 631 mm-hmm. to eight something. And just a couple years before that, we're just talking three years before money maker was 393. Had never topped 400. Yeah. So when Doyle won his two in I think 76 and 77. It was like 80 players and, you know, and, and let's be honest. 22 it, and 34 is all with his back-to-back. That's it. Really? Wow. Okay. Mm. Huh. But still, that, and listen, just the math of it, when Moneymaker won, when you have 4,000 entrants, just being in the final three is the same accomplishment, yeah. right? Yeah. So if anything – and the final three would be a little easier because heads up play, I guess, has more, more variance. I, well, I guess it would when the blinds are that high, right? So I think it'd be more of an accomplishment to win, win it just because you had to deal with that variance. Yeah, and shows you could play, you know, different games essentially heads up along with, you know, normal poker. Say it again. It's a totally different skill, obviously, being able to yeah, play. Yeah, but heads what I'm up. saying is heads up when you're playing deep stacked is considered by most. And again, I'm just listening to pods or whatever because I'm not at that level of poker player, but it's considered by no, most the greatest test of skill. Yes. Because by definition, how many decisions are you going to be put to, right? Right. But when the, if you watch the end of these tournaments, when shove, someone goes all fast, in, yeah. exactly. So I think there was a lot less skill in that yeah. case. So, but again, that's the catch 22. These tournaments, they want them to only last one week. You can't ask someone to come out here and take more than a week off of work. That was a big challenge. And we had, uh, uh, what's his name? I forget. the word. Let me pull it up. So, But the guy from the World Series of Poker, who's their, their head of PR, 
he and I were doing some DMs and we were talking because we used it on the show on Straight Out of Vegas, Seth Polanski. Uh, but he was making a point on a video the card player had, which is that week was very important. Because if you thought, hey, I can't even get back to work on that eighth. Now, for you, Faz, you were just fine with that, right? You said, oh, I'm just going to text on Sunday <laughs> night. In fact, I Guilty. have an extra day at the end, no big deal. But most people have to, you know, have to worry about their jobs. Guilty. <laughs> so I, I got to give the WSOP a ton of credit, man. The fact that the World Series is what it is still. Now, to me, I'm not as interested. And I can't, you know, remember, you could name, you know, the champions after Moneymaker. It just felt like they mattered more. There was that big heavy set guy. Was it Raymer? How could I remember yeah, his name? Yeah, Fossilman. Yeah. And I mean, now I, you know, I remember Cata and his youth and 21, right? Yeah. But after that, I don't remember a lot of them. You know, and frankly, it's a lot more interesting to have at the everyman, the non pro at the final table. Isn't really? It? Oh, I find that 89% wrong. I mean, or 89 <laughs> times wrong. I, you'd rather not see Phil Ivey. And and you know whoever you want to put on there, you'd rather see the 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 auto worker. I'd rather see the auto worker versus Phil Ivy. Why? Just the contrast makes for great viewing. Mm. Ivy trying to dissect what the heck this guy who seems to have no rhyme nor reason to what he's doing. Well, first off, I don't think. I, I, did you watch any of the, the the final table? Like three hours of it. Yeah. Do you feel like the, those guys didn't know what they were doing? No, they completely knew what they were doing. What I'm saying is, is I, I don't. I think every, I mean, listen, all I know playing two five five ten, and I don't play five ten anymore, is the games are just so tough. Everyone, no one's clueless anymore, or hardly anyone, because they've all gone broke. I mean, how many years are you going to keep losing? So if someone puts up 10,000, I wasn't watching any of the early rounds. My gut feeling is, man, you get to that last 100 or 200, mo- there's no one that's clueless. They might not be professionals, hmm. Fez, you've played in the World Series of Poker, haven't you? I have. How many caches did you, or how many times have you uh, entered? Ten events. And how many times did you cash? Four times. Well, let me tell you something, Brad. <laughs> Your beard. Yeah. Do you trim it every day or every third day? Uh, once a week. Oh. oh, did I step on your four out of ten, Fez? Not at all. <laughs> I mean, that was like exactly what yeah. happened. Yeah, it was. Instead, I would have played a draw for him. I, I guess I'm the sucker. <laughs> I didn't realize it before. You know, they say you look around. I never really thought anyone was the sucker. But I meant I was the sucker. <laughs> Is that right? Is that how you think about it? Beard looks good, Brad. <laughs> this, <guy. laughs> this is what I'll say. Now let's play big bank, take little bank. Mm-hmm. Checkmate. <laughs> All right, so that is impressive, though, and and you your um best finish was pretty impressive. Twentieth place, sixth handed. Frankly, I think I had an advantage because I was older back. It was two thousand ten, and it seemed like everyone I played with was in their twenties, and I played tend to play very tight in terms of the hand selections I utilize. Who cares about this? Like you, you're given a lesson on how to play poker in two thousand ten. Well, I just think. <laughs> I bluffed a lot, and they did But who cares? No one cares. Like, the you result is what, yeah. Matt. Yes. Like, were you planning how yeah. you were going to explain how you cash four times out of ten? No. No, but you, I can tell you planned this. Right? I prepped a bit. 
But what, what, you were thinking I was going to say, so Fez, how 10 years ago did you do so well poker? <laughs> is that what you thought? I didn't think. He is so in his own world. It's Fezzik world, man. We yeah. got to come up with this. I mean, we got Like a Wayne's world type thing? Yeah, there's got to be theme Fezzik music world. for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fact that he did it. Like we would want to. Like even if the World Series of Poker champ were getting interviewed by me on Fox Sports Radio tomorrow. I wouldn't say, what strategy did you employ as the blinds escalated late? But he's telling me. <laughs> it is from 10 years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's one, really, it's one of the great moments. There we go. Bananas. You know, it reminds me of why he was calling in or texting John Kelly crazy prop bets to try to get on the local radio when I met him. It it's does. like, like I, I could have taken that World Series of Poker, made it seem like we weren't bragging about it, just informational purposes only. Instead, his voice is cracking, up oh, four. And then, and then he starts explaining why he played a certain way to get, what, 19th place? <laughs> it is, imp- I mean, cashing four out of 10. Hell like, yeah. Typically, when, now I'm going to try to save it for you here, all right? Typically, Fez, what percentage cash in a poker tournament? 10%. So the idea of you hitting a one in ten shot four out of ten times mighty impress. I mean, let me. That's good, huh? Yes. Hmm. Let me see. You know, maybe that's why you. I am Elma J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. There you go. Thank you, RJ. <laughs> but instead. <laughs> it's like he had a speech. <laughs> Let me accept the award <laughs> of placing 19th place <laughs> 10 years ago <laughs> in some obscure tournament <laughs> at the World Series. Was it the seniors event? No, I did cash in both in two So two events. of your four were senior uh, events. How'd you, what's the seniors it's event? It's 50. There's a super seniors and a seniors. Oh, so, so you're, those oh. two caches came within the last five years. Yes. But this year you didn't play because you were in Hawaii. Correct. Well, you wanted to go to Hawaii, didn't you? So, I mean, you ca- <laughs> how many times did you enter the seniors event? Three times. So you cashed 66%, <laughs> but you were still on that private island in Hawaii. Yes. Oh, wait. Oh, I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go. It's blossom time. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. We're letting Fez we're letting Fez get right back on the horse. NFL talk, NFL bet, Kyler Murray. And he, and he goes to his crazy performance voice. Kyler Murray. <laughs> Over 3,400 passing yards. I love this prop bet. Two key reasons why Murray should go over the 3,400. Arizona will emphasize the pass. Kingsbury is going to use a lot of three wide receiver and four wide receiver sets. Last year, Arizona, remember, they had a horrible year. They only threw the ball 60% of the time. That's a really low passing rate for a team that's behind in most of their games. I expect they're going to pass more on a percentage basis Also, Arizona should play much faster. Arizona played slow last year. They were number 18 in pace, despite losing. Well, hold on a second. If if your O-line is that bad, is 18 slow? 
I would have guessed they would have been this, you know, playing somewhere in the 30s. Yeah, it's still below average. But you're saying this, this year, year it's going to be faster. Okay. And here's why. Kingsbury was top 10 in plays run five of six years at Texas Tech. He loves playing fast. So think about it. More plays, more, just it, it can translate to more yardage, even if you're not more efficient. And I expect Arizona certainly will be more efficient. All right, so give the pick at the so end. So we're going over. Murray, over 3,400 passing yards for Arizona. That's interesting. Um, can you pull up when Brad does his? What? Let, let's just take the rookies last year. Well, I guess, so how certain are we of the What would be your over and under in game started for him? 14 and a half. Injury is the only concern. Okay. So last year there was, I mean, I guess Baker Mayfield. Went over. He played 14 games. He got 3,700. All the other rookies, that's a great question. All the other rookies, RJ, went way under the 34. Because they didn't start as many games, right? Well, it's because of the usage, like Darnold and the like. Just, just They basically went, were run first. And the same thing, Allen for Buffalo. But most rookies, that's what you're going to do. The theory right. is, you're, this is pretty much about the Kingsbury's history of pace holds up in the NFL and that... And and I think, hey, if you've done it in your career, you're probably going to continue to do it, except the old adage, you can ruin a quarterback. Now, I, you haven't heard that as much lately, but why do you think the Jets aren't giving them reps on third and 12? Because you have four interceptions. We've seen what happens to guys in the Bills uniforms named Peterman or Peterson. <laughs> yeah. is you can, one, I mean, it was Jake, what was it, Jake DeLone, right? One game ruined him, right? Yep. Am I wrong or am I right? No, from you're right. I mean, he was a guy that went toe for toe with Brady in a Super Bowl, and then had one bad game and never was the same. So, to me, that's the the, the fear. Are they going to like the majority? Correct me if I'm wrong. Of the coaches that had rookies last year that didn't have that history of pace, the majority of them said we don't want to expose him to a bunch of interceptions. Have you read anything from the coach? About saying, you know, speaking to that? I have not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm guessing it wouldn't be out there. So, all right. I like it. I like it. It's just when you go over the number one pick, like, what do you think the public split on that's going to be? doesn't mean it's wrong. I'm just always, when I'm going on the public side, it just makes me nervous. Yeah, that's why I think you got to bet this now. And not in September because I think this number is just yeah, but the, keep going but the odds, but the odds makers making the number for the type of you know with an eye towards what the public's going to bet. Yeah, and the odds makers also looking at other rookie quarterbacks, thinking Rosen was so low and that's Darnold. Good, if if like, that's part of the and that's the thing about these props, they're far from an efficient market. So we don't know how much time the, the and when we say odds makers, we're effectively saying whatever book did the world open. They're internally they were odds makers at that point, right? Right. And how much did they consider how the other rookies did last year? How much did they consider the public money, or did they have an Excel sheet with a macro and it just spit it out? I don't know. So let, let, let's break this down one last time. Injuries a factor, right? Gets hurt the first game, gets hurt anywhere except the very end of the season. It hurts you bad. He's a small player, historically small quarterback, but. Odds are he doesn't get hurt. You're 14 and a half is your number on starts. You'd let me bet that? Sure. It seems like a lot of starts. Mm. There's only 16 games, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. 
Think about it, Brad. He could be benched. He could be injured. If he just tweaks his ankle, it's two games. Like literally, he has to play all or only miss one. I'll get you on that. That's a bad number. Oh, I think it's a good number. You want to want to go six hundred instead? Yeah, let's do it. Nine hundred now on that. Yeah. You want to? No, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That just perked me up. (laughs) Lucky we have a limiter on this thing. All right. So there's that problem. There's also he could be benched. Oh, you'd lose there too. Yep. What did what did the average starter, even elite starter, play in a year? I mean, they, Big Ben misses two games every year, pretty much. Wow, it's a what, how many rookies of all the rookies that started the first game in the last five years? We'll research this for next week. All the rookies that started the first game because that's saying they come into the season as the starter. How many played 15 or 16 games their first year? Boy, I bet it is far less than... I bet it's 50% if you're lucky. I probably should have done that research before putting out a 14 and a half, right? But somehow Brad said no to the next 300. That's the interesting part. I mean, huh? because I know you're dropping dimes when you like those, those world openers. Yeah. Welcome to Mirage, Mr. Papa Giorgio. And then it's – so here's the question. If he plays all 16, which is very uncertain, and they sling it, meaning the coach keeps up his propensity towards pace, what's the chance it goes over? Those two ifs. 97%. So really, this is a combined – then this is confusing to me. If you make the number 14 and a half, right – that's you saying you think he's pretty much playing every game. You're giving yourself a little one game to, oh, he tweaks his ankle, or maybe they're in the playoffs, or maybe they're out of the playoffs. Who knows, right? And the chance of – what do you think the chance of Kingsbury slinging it is? Almost 100%. Okay. So we've got three variables here. We're going to take 100% he slings it mm-hmm. times – It'd be hard to even put a number on this because even if he plays 15, your chance of it going over goes from, what, 98 to, what, 92? So you think this is – I mean, somehow you've backed yourself into saying this is like an 85% back. Well, but if he goes under 14 and a half, he's probably not going to play 13 or 14. He could play six or seven. Yeah, but what you're saying is the odds of him playing – I guess even 14 – yeah, that's the question. What's the distribution – Below 50. Because you're saying half the time it's going to be above 14 and a half. Half the time it's going to be below. And what's the distribution below? Because I get him missing one game. But I could see him, if given he's misses two or more, how many do we think he plays? Maybe 10? 11? Because the theory is one of the reasons would be benching. One of the reasons would be injury. And those tend to be more in a week or two. Okay. Then I'm I'm going to... I still think your numbers are high, but all that said, it, it kind of makes some sense because it'd be a catastrophe in those right. spots. You couldn't win at a certain point. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. To, hey, listen, we dug into that one. Yep. And I got two good bets or two, you know, two, two cracks <laughs> at it, as they say. All right, Brad, your best bet. I'm going season win total college football. We're going under nine and a half wins with Notre Dame. And to me, one of the factors in evaluating this Notre Dame team is one of the top five most important factors in all of college football this year. It's schedule-related. 
And Notre Dame's schedule secretly is much tougher than what it looks like on paper. And here's the reason, RJ. Seven, that's right, seven of Notre Dame's opponents have a bye prior to playing Notre Dame this year. I've been analyzing schedules for at least a decade, going back to my Phil Steele days. I have never seen any team, regardless if it's group of five, power five, ever play seven opponents coming off a bye in a 12-game season. Huge disadvantage for Notre Dame on top of a game against Georgia where Notre Dame's a double-digit underdog. A game at Michigan where Notre Dame's about a touchdown underdog. A game at Stanford where Notre Dame hasn't won there in 12 years. Add all that up, I'm going under nine and a half wins for Notre Dame. Here's all I can wonder right now. Has anyone in the history of the world strung together the following sentence? (laughs) I have been analyzing schedules for over 10 years now. I mean, has that ever been spoken? Probably That's serious. Look it up on Google. Because my wife and I, you'll hear a phrase, and and we always say to ourselves, you know, if we're home watching TV or whatever, is has that phrase ever been said like give me seven ducks before dinner you know or like some goofy thing that just comes out <laughs> i wonder i'm gonna give my pick and then brad will tell us you got to put in quotes right you know that oh, that just says if every word all right so now it's rare in the off season this is where i go i go to vegas via the coward global satellite network rj bell pregame.com not really but i'm here Okay, I'm going under 18 and a half Eli Manning touchdowns. Now, if you look at Eli Manning's touchdowns, last year, 21. In 2017, 19. So, 21 and 19, last two years. Let's do the math real quick. The average is 20. I have 18 and a half. Now, Eli's hitting the wall. Is anyone debating that? No. 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 Thus, the question becomes, if he plays every game, and Eli doesn't get hurt often, but okay, he could. But obviously they just drafted a quarterback mighty high. What's your over-under on Eli playing? Or let me ask you this for a different question, because I think we've ran into the problems of the over-and-under. What odds would I have to give you that he plays 15 or 16 games? You probably have to give me plus 250. Okay, so you're saying the odds are far less than 50%. So give me a guess on the odds that he plays, he plays 15. 15 or 16, yeah. it's like 27%. Okay, so 27% of the time he – what do you think my bet is, considering the fact that his average is 20, I'm at 18 and a half, and he's a year older. What do you think I win even at 27% of the time? How often do I win? 40%? I'll go 45. All right. And then, obviously, as he plays less and less games, my win percentage, you know, if he plays five games, it's 100, right? Right. Or almost, you know, I guess, I guess you get <laughs> yeah. hurt after five. So to me, this just feels unless there, now I get it. The O line's a little better. Barkley's, a, but if anything, it's Barkley. I know he catches a lot, but do they tend to want to give Pat his stats a little bit in the red zone? Got to run more this mm-hmm. year. No, Odell. so I'm not sure how the yin and the yang is of the improved offense. I'm going to call it a wash. I'm not sure, but even if it's a little improvement, 
I mean, you're telling me 75% of the time or 73% of the time, I've got a bet from 57% to the, to the moon. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I, think, I mean, if he plays even 14 games, I'm probably at 57%, right? Yes. All right, so 13. I mean, let's do the distribution. I mean, at 10, I'm almost at 100. Yes. I mean, is, is it really, like, I can't even imagine this. Because even if the Giants are out of the playoffs and Eli's had a pretty good season, they probably figure – they let their rookie play five games at the end, right? It, you know, one way you could look at this is how many touchdowns is Jones and Eli combined going to throw? And you could make the case, uh. hey, maybe we make that 20. What are we going to make for Jones? Four and a half? Well, do the math, right? 15 That's and a half for Eli. That's interesting. Because an average, you know, how many would we expect the Giants to throw? So you're, you're saying 24 or so? Less. All right. You like that, Brad? I do. I love that. I do too. All right, guys. Long show. I think we we actually had some fun, but we also got into some deep stuff. Actually, in the middle of all of it, not the middle of the show, but in the middle of all the hijinks, as they say. And we're going to finish up with Dave Esler. As I say, he's been winning since Moses wore short pants. So here he comes, and we'll be back next week. And usual time and Thursday release, remember. And don't forget, subscribe, because I'm not exactly sure when we're going to go to two a week in August, college and pro. You won't want to miss those. So go right now to your favorite pod player. Subscribe. Just search for RJ Bell. You'll see the dream preview. Also see straight out of Vegas there if you want to subscribe. And it's a good, you know, 40 minutes of raw meat, sports betting world each day, like the evening news, some would say. Mm. That, that that condensed version, and you won't miss if you subscribe, obviously, the college football releases that are coming up when we move to two a week. Talk to you soon. I got a CFB season win total. I like Nebraska under nine and a half wins. In order to win at over a bet, the Huskers need to go 10 and one. That's after a four-win season and scoring 19 points combined against Michigan and Michigan State. And here's why it's not going to happen. Their defense Last two years, conference play, they've allowed an average of almost 40, 4-0 points per game. And now they lose five of their top six tacklers from last year. And remember how bad the Sooner defense was last year? Well, the Huskers only allowed 13 less yards per game. And they were 98th in the nation in defensive third down stops. I know Adrian Martinez is good. He's 10-1 to win the Heisman. But with Martinez rushing the ball 140 times last season, that's 140 more chances for an injury and for a dollar bunch are under center. I'll grant you they got a favorable schedule. But again, to lose this bet, the Huskers can only lose one game. I'll just leave this here for Brad because I know he's high on the Huskers. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.